Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, gang? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We are absolutely packed today. Really looking forward to it. Huge game tonight. Oilers and Avalanche. And Ken Weeb, Weeb's World, is in Denver. He's going to join us post-morning skate a little bit later on in the program. And we're also going to be kicking off the program. I, I cannot wait for this, actually. Um, a guy that was uh, very popular, a teammate, and was a hell of a fun interview back during his time with the Winnipeg Jets. Anthony Potato is going to join the program. We'll catch up a little bit on him, get some insight into his former team, the New York Rangers, and their big win last night. We'll have that coming up in about 20 minutes to get things started. NBA Finals do start tonight as well. We'll do a quick preview towards the end of the program with Julian Edlow of DraftKings. And I'm also looking forward to bring on our old pal, Mr. Dubsy. Talk a little golf and get the reaction from the golf world on Dustin Johnson leaving the PGA Tour, by all accounts, to go play for $125 million reportedly on the Live Golf Tour. What that means for the Canadian Open and, uh, you know, the scuttlebutt around the golf world now that this Saudi Golf League seems to be going ahead. So uh, going to be a real fun show. We are packed. Great to have you with us. For podcast listeners... I don't say this enough, but if you ever have the opportunity of giving us a five-star rating and a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it's greatly appreciated by us, helping us to spread the channel. And, of course, for everyone watching on YouTube, hit that red subscribe button and uh, the thumbs up as well. Always appreciated by your boys here at WST. A big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club Whiskey, Assiniboia Downs, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Breezy Bend, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, and of course our friends over at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Let's get this thing going and welcome in Michael Remus before a uh, busy, busy afternoon of guests on WST. What's going on? Yeah, this is going to be a busy one. Looking forward to have uh, former Jet on the program and Anthony Botetto and Ken Weeb, who is in Denver uh, ahead of the Western Conference Finals. So I'm feeling good. It's Thursday, heading towards the weekend. And I guess though it's not raining outside, right? I'm looking outside your window there, Hust. It looks pretty good. Uh, no, it, it's quite windy, though. I will oh, okay. say that. Quite windy. Um, That was um a part of the... Uh, festivities last night at the ballpark i know the wind was playing as was the uh, as down at the uh, at the soccer pitch tough one i'll actually just get quickly to that i mean the gold eyes back at home right now taking on cleburne tough loss for the lads over at ig field though i think a big opportunity for uh, valor fc to get a big three points at home uh against atletico auto i believe that was the team they put up half a dozen against earlier this season on the road uh but they lost one nothing last night uh, tonight, not probably a great night for getting out to the ballpark. Although, hey, just bundle up. It's always a great night. But it looks like it's going to be sunny for the next few days. So with the gold eyes back at home, certainly a good time to go out and check out the ballpark, craft beer corner, and maybe try a Little Brown Jug while you're down there as well as, of course, our friends at Little Brown Jug available at the ballpark all season long. Uh, but, Reem, listen, we're going to talk about the uh, Avalanche and the Oilers a little bit later on with Ken Weeb. Certainly we'll hit that in the cool bet lines. What a performance last night by the New York Rangers. And we'll ask Anthony Potato about his former team, what he thought about that. I know he's 
a lifelong New York guy, was a Ranger fan, so he'll be excited about it. But uh, if you're a Ranger fan or had a little bit of scratch on the Rangers, you got to be pretty happy with the way that series started. Um, just a dominating performance. Very impressive from top to bottom. 6-2 was the final. The youngsters really stood out to me last night. That line of Lafreniere, Capococco, and Philip Cheadle doing some real damage. And once again, Ilya Shosturkin, or Igor Shosturkin, excuse me, showing that, um, you know, he's in the conversation for the best in the world. And no one better to do that against than Vasilevsky, who I thought, you know, made some huge saves last night. But my God, the Rangers were creating. And the seam passes and chances they got off those were... I mean, listen, those are going in. More often than not, doesn't matter who's uh, in the net. And uh, Rangers get first blood last night on home ice. Yeah, we kind of thought that was a possibility. We had mentioned some numbers that the team with the long layoff actually hasn't done well. and Lost the last seven series, um, which was crazy. You wouldn't think that would be like that. But we did, again, as I mentioned yesterday, experience that firsthand when we all thought the Jets were going to tear up Montreal. And, of course, they didn't last year. And the Rangers, they're, they're hot. Um, they have the goalie who can compete with Vasilevsky. And you look at their team, we didn't really think of them as that deep of a, a team before. But, I mean, Frank Vetrano is looking like a really strong deadline ad. Maybe Florida wishes they would have had him last series when they couldn't score against Tampa. And here he is uh, performing for the Rangers with... You know, it's Chris funny Cri- you say that. I yeah. just saw a tweet. I just saw a tweet from one of the Bleacher Report guys. Go, imagine being a Florida Panthers fan and your team spent three first-round picks to load up and go all in and beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. You score three goals in that series, get swept, and then the guy you let go to make room for some of those players, Frank for Toronto, scores a big goal last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, and Vitrano's always been a guy who can score. He's got a good shot, and he's playing with some skilled guys right now in Zubanejad and Kreider, and Kreider's having this huge breakout season. Uh, Zubanejad as well. But then they have the second line. I mean, Strom, Kopp, Panarin, Kopp, Panarin have been fitting very well, but you mentioned it was the third line, uh, Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kako, all former first-round picks, skilled guys, making an impact on the third line, gives you that depth scoring. And you talk about those guys, all former first-round picks. You know, a couple, you know, one of them, number one, Kako, also top pick. Um, Keandre Miller, another former first rounder, making an impact for the Rangers. And you saw former Norman Norris Trophy winner Adam Fox with some beautiful passing as well. Um, they're good, man. Watch out, Tampa. And, you know, we've said Tampa, you know, they're what, th- two time defending cup champions. We forget that it wasn't easy for them to even get to the final. The Islanders taking them to seven last year. And I wonder if we're going to see seven again here tonight and for all of us who thought this was going to be a low scoring affair um scoring is up this year in the nhl we're not seeing those low scoring games and uh, we've definitely seen it here in the conference final yeah you know listen, I, I wasn't expecting eight goals last night i kind of thought that you know especially the way tampa can beat you any way you want i mean tampa can score with the best teams in the league but it's interesting you mentioned the new york islanders i mean let's think back to the game seven wasn't that one nothing I mean, like Tampa is the game. And, and this is why I felt so confident about them against Florida. So that Florida can win the, you know, the back and forth games where there's tons of scoring and tons of chances. But mm-hmm. were they set up to win those tight playoff games that, you know, you don't have a lot of room. You don't have a lot of space. And I wasn't convinced on it. And obviously the goaltending certainly favors uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think they probably would love to get into a few more of those games. Um 
particularly with Braden Point out right now. And I guess we can't overstate that loss. You know, it didn't seem like it hurt them very much against Tampa. Um, but John Cooper said, don't expect Braden Point back for the Eastern Conference Finals. And listen, if New York is getting this sort of scoring that they are right now from the Panarin line and then the youngsters, as we just mentioned, um, obviously Chris Kreider is still an absolutely devastating player. You know, Tampa's going to need to score some goals. Um, they can't put it all on their goaltender, and I don't think that they will. Um, but to your point, Remo, I got to thank you, and of course, thank Justin Bourne, but thank you for pointing out that tweet yesterday. Because if I did not know that the last seven times a team that just went seven played a team that had just swept, that the team that went seven was seven and oh, I probably would have been on Tampa last night. However, I did wait. We talked about it yesterday on the program. If you still like Tampa, yeah, you can get them at plus money now for the series. Rangers are a minus 120 favorite after that big win last night, as you would expect with a one nothing lead in the best of seven. Yeah, those Vasilevsky numbers, they're going to get tested, and we know his record as well when uh, they can eliminate an opponent. We'll see if that comes into play. Uh, we talk about goaling. Check out these numbers from Shesterkin here in the last couple games uh, as I pull them up. Here we go. Thank you, NHL.com. I mean, each game, what, he's allowed one, look at his save percentage, 968. You know, we had the 912, whatever. But then 949, 949, 949. So 949 save percentage in his last three games. Um, he's allowed, what, two in each of those games. And if your team scores more than two, well, you're, you're in, in pretty good there. And the Rangers have certainly been able to do that. Very talented team. And, you know, for the crowd who said, oh, what, they only scored all their goals against third-string goalies in the first two rounds, Hess. <laughs> uh, they're taking an L here because you played one of the best ones in the league yesterday. Uh, it didn't seem to be a problem, but, you know, I, th I think we can agree that, you know, we've mentioned those numbers of the team coming off uh, the long layoff versus the team who went seven. Um, we'll see how Tampa looks, looks in game two. I think they'll come back. The series definitely not over, but I think the Rangers are, are going to put up a, a good fight here. Hey, uh, uh, here's one for the chat for those of you that are with us on YouTube. Uh, listen, we were talking about it for two series. I think everyone, most of us here, invested in the success of the Winnipeg Jets. We're hoping to see the Rangers win two rounds and turn that second rounder into a first rounder. That, of course, came to fruition. Now that the Rangers have won the two series and there's nothing more to be gained from the Jets, are, are there some newfound Ranger fans? Are you guys going for the Rangers in this series and in the playoffs remainder? Uh, so I think of the four teams, they certainly had the longest odds because of the fact that they have to go through Tampa and then potentially, well, the winner of Colorado or Edmonton. But I am interested if people are, uh, if people are riding with the Rangers still after they've taken care of business for the Winnipeg Jets or whether they're on someone else. Um, I know there is, and we hear this all the time, Reem, some people that are just saying, well, I guess I'm going for Edmonton because they're the Canadian team. I don't know. I've never subscribed to that. I don't want any Canadian team to, team to win the Stanley Cup before the Jets. I would love the Jets to be the team that broke the streak. And God knows, it's been nice to see the Oilers have some success in the Battle of Alberta. There was going to be one of those Canadian teams coming out one way or the other. But I don't want to have to hear from another fan base about that they were the team that brought the cup back to Canada. I'd be more than happy if the Avalanche or the Lightning won again or the New York Rangers as opposed to having to hear about it from our friends in Edmonton over and over and over again. But again, I could be in some of the minority, although I have a feeling that's just somewhat of a split take. 
I put out a poll. Who are you cheering for? Rangers or Lightning? 59% Rangers so far. So maybe we can, I'll do one with all four teams, but I was on team three Pete. I kind of wanted to see the Lightning three Pete, but now the Rangers, they've won game one. Maybe I can hop over to them. I do like when the Rangers are successful. And we've seen that in the Lundquist, you know, era when they went to the cup final and they had playoff team year after year. I think it's good for, you know, good for the NHL when New York is in. People get fired up. They're in a major market. And yet, you know, you saw the 94, how fired up they were as well when they won. So I think, it, you know, maybe I could get, be talked into the Rangers here. They're playing very well. And, of course, Andrew Kopp, former Jed, and Jacob Truba as well. And I think there are some Kopp fans uh, in chat, as I have seen. Absolutely. I mean, listen, Andrew Kopp was a phenomenal oh. player for the Winnipeg Jets and did so much for this, you know, for this team. And I think everyone knew that there was a good chance that he was going to be dealt based on uh, the one-year contract last summer. Uh, that wasn't the plan. The plan was to be playing for the Jets in the playoffs. When it wasn't the case, they did it. We've talked a lot about the return for the deal. Doug Phil asking in chat, and this is actually a good point. The Jets get a higher first-round pick if the Rangers lose this round, right? I mean, we're not talking about a huge difference, but yes, the difference that the, the jet that pick that the Jets get from the Rangers is going to be anywhere from 29 to 32. If they win the cup, it's 32. If they lose the cup final, it's 31. And if they lose this round, it is 29 or 30, depending on the point total of the team that loses in the Western Conference Finals. So, um, I mean, yeah, I guess technically you could be talking about the difference of three spots one way or the other. But if you just assume that you're in that run, you can let us know whether you're still riding with the New York Rangers. One thing was interesting, Remus, and I kind of figured that this would be the case at the end of the game. Um, Tampa is always a team that when they're losing, especially when a game like this earlier in the series tries to make somewhat of a statement. And I think we saw exactly why Turk Gerard Gallant loves the acquisition of Ryan Reeves as much as he does, because that guy was out to patrol the ice in the third period. And, you know, it was a borderline getting crazy there right at the end. And Pat Maroon got in and Maroon, I think maybe got his life saved by that linesman. I was stunned that he didn't get out of the way and just let them go. But it did end up with that hilarious picture of Reeves on top of Maroon with a linesman in between him. And then Reeves with the smirk on his face afterwards, knowing that not only did they get the win, but this was going to look really good on television. And he'd have a lot more to chirp about going into game two. Um, not surprising that it ended with some sort of fisticuffs, although uh, the referees and the linesmen did everything they could to prevent it from getting crazy. Yeah, look at this picture uh, on screen here. Sorry, podcast listeners, but yeah, there's a linesman sandwich in between Ryan Reeves and Patrick Maroon, an old-fashioned dog pile, and Ryan Reeves. I mean, you've seen videos on social media throughout the playoffs, him reading out the lineup card or being the last guy off the ice and dancing uh, all the way to the dressing room after they won Game 7 against Carolina. I don't know, Ryan Reeves and Jared Gland in the conference final reminds me of when they were on uh, the Vegas Golden Knights together. And we all remember Ryan Reeves' performance here in, was it game five of the West final? Is that, you remember, do you remember that one or did you block, block that out of your? No me recollection me whatsoever. Memory. But I just uh, remembered. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is you mentioned that series. Like, I think 
the Ranger Ranger fans are feeling the way Jet fans did after game number one. You yes. host it. You've got home ice in the conference finals. You have a convincing win in game number one, and you walk outside going, guys, we could be going to the cup final. Yeah. Uh, well, we know how it ended for the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't think there's much real overconfidence amongst the Rangers fans. I no. think they obviously are pumped that they've got this win, but they know – I mean, they're going up against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs. The Jets were going up against a first-year expansion team. So I think the expectations maybe were much higher here in Winnipeg. That being said, this is exactly the situation that they are in. Jacob Truber remembers it. Andrew Kopp remembers it. So we'll see whether they can have a different result when uh, through these next four games than what happened to the Jets against Vegas. Although, to be honest with you, I still wouldn't be, be surprised if Tampa all of a sudden woke up, got the win on the road, and came back and ran away with this series in five or six. Yeah, I guess I guess if you needed another reason to cheer for the Rangers, you do have the Winnipeg content and uh, and Ryan Reeves. So. But yeah, not over. I think this is going for a while. And I think if you're a Ranger fan, you're excited, but you have to know who you're going up against. And um, Tampa, they've you know they've been in the playoffs many times. You know Vasilevsky's record after a loss. So, well, we'll wait for uh, the next game. When is that? Tomorrow, Friday. Uh, yep. Yeah, exactly. So we, and we got the other one tonight. Uh, Colorado, Edmonton. Uh, Ken's there in Denver, where they had the morning skate. No Darcy Kemper for Colorado's. Pavel Francouz. I uh, listen. We're going to spend a lot more time on this with Ken a little mm. later on. I like Edmonton tonight. I think I think Edmonton wins this game. And, and to be honest, the lack of Kemper and uh, this could really be uh, impactful. And I listen. I know we talked. I mean, the Flames or for crying out the loud, the Oilers have given up nine and eight in their last two game ones. Although they came back with real strong performances and wins in game two, so they'll certainly be looking to do that tonight. Um, I've got concerns about Francois. I don't know, aren't even too sure who the third stringer is if Dorothy Kemper can't go. Um, but it's going to be a great series. It's going to be a lot of goals. I will not be taking the under in any of these games to, uh, for the for the Western Conference Final. Um, but we'll talk about it more and get the uh, the latest from Ken Weave a little later on. I see I'm getting chirped in the chat. I know waiters said, yeah, Tom Brady with another win over Patrick Mahomes. Did anybody see the match last night? Was it a on? really, a really Wait, did, cool? Did we get it here? I did. I didn't watch. We, okay, so we did get it here. But you know, most of us only like I don't know when the last time I watched a channel that wasn't on HD. Like it would be a long time ago. For whatever reason, because that was a TNT broadcast, it was on headline news. We get that here. Well, you do get it, but you don't get it in HD. Like I had to go through all the single digit numbers and it was on, I don't know, channel 30 or 32 or something like that. Uh, I think one year before they had it on CNN International. Um, I guess just, I, I'm shocked that, you know, one of the Sportsnet or TSN stations didn't get to pick it up and throw it on because it was a really good production. JJ Watt and Barkley were doing the commentary for it. And uh, I'll say this, this is, this is what we can take uh, out of it. Josh Allen was terrible, and he even tweeted out, uh, how's your back after carrying me around the entire day? Mahomes, I saw a great grid of the four players, and it was basically putting that who would be a good hang, like a good guy to hang out with, and who would be a good golfer. And the, the result was Mahomes was in the top right corner as the good hang and great golfer. Brady was the not-so-good golfer, great hang, Aaron Rodgers was the good golfer, 
guy you probably wouldn't want to hang around with for four and a half hours. And poor Josh Allen was in the bad hang and bad golfer category. And uh, it was fun, though. There was a lot of there was a lot of good back and forth. There were some great shots. I mean, I, Mahomes and Allen were down 2 nothing after the first two holes, and I thought this was, was going to get ugly. And in maybe the most relatable moment of the entire event, down two on the third tee, Patrick Mahomes grabbed his first beer of the round, said that he had to do something to get it turned around. He was originally planning on waiting till the fourth hole and promptly went out and birdied the next hole. The guys are having some fun saying that he acquired the swing juice and was back. Uh, but overall, these these events are fun. The broadcast is, is, is great. Um, but for those of you that think this was on Brady, this was Aaron Rodgers stepping up big at the end and poor Patrick just not being able to carry that massive, massive load of Josh Allen on his shoulders. But um, anyways, fun event. Hopefully they'll do it again sometimes. And I don't know what you Reem. like. It was neat when they had, you know, Phil and Tiger involved or Bryson DeChambeau. I'm almost preferring not to have the pro golfers in there and just have pro athletes, top athletes. Like I'd love to see something like this with, you know, some of the top players in the national hockey league or even baseball, because you really do get a chance to sort of see what these guys are about um, and get a little more insight into their personalities that you don't get to from games and just the stock press conferences that we usually hear these guys talking about. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I mean, you can see a top golfer golf anytime maybe you like that interaction but i think it's more about the personalities like no one really actually cares if these guys are, are good at golf you want to see some smack talk and some funny stuff and some personality so yeah i think golf golf is definitely secondary oh man tom brady's trophy case going at me in the in the chat doesn't matter how a win's a win well <laughs> that is exactly right um, and yeah, Mike Wynn, no HLN, no murder mysteries. I guess they're the 18 hour marathon of the whodunit stories they usually have on that had to take a break for, uh, for the match last night. Hey, the other thing that we, you know, and we haven't probably spent enough time on this as we should have over the course of the last week, Remo, the Jays getting it done again. And, uh, that's seven in a row last night. And maybe the most incredible thing about this is Vladdy had a home run late in the game, but, you know, I'd still struggled at the plate early on. The Jays are being carried right now by the catcher position. Alejandro's Unite, Alejandro Kirk with a couple homers the night before, Danny Jansen getting it done last night. And, uh, you know, even with Ryu, who's got some, I guess, some uh, issues with uh, with his arm that they're worried about and going to do some more tests on um, seven in a row, bats are getting going right now, and there's a real good buzz around this team. Frankly, the buzz that we've been waiting for since the start of the season um, with their sort of pedestrian start, but the Jays are hot right now. Yeah, we were kind of waiting for this. They got off to a slow start. As you said, the bats were not there. They had some injuries, but uh, they're going for eight tonight. Alec Manoa against uh, Johnny Cueto. Um, you know, Manoa hasn't allowed more than three runs in a start, and he's the guy... You're looking to take that step forward if you want to, you know, go far into the playoffs. So I know it's June 1st and there's a lot of baseball to play, but I think you ought to be excited about a seven game win streak here. 
Yeah, so, uh, oh, and that's an afternoon game as well. So we'll keep you up to date on that yeah. throughout the afternoon. Two. White Sox, Jays starting at, uh, at two. And yeah, oh, my old buddy, Johnny Cueto. I'm a big Cueto guy. He was so good for the Royals in 2015 when he got traded there and they won the World Series. But I'll tell you what, Manoa is the showstopper right now. Five and one ream with a 177 ERA. And I know this just because my pal Kubek Chris always consistently bets the over on strikeouts every time he starts. He's gassing a lot of batters as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to need needed him to step up, um, you know, this year to, as a young pitcher. And again, going up against Cueto, 5-1 record. Funny, the Jays on this hot streak, still five games back of, uh, of the Yankees, two and a half back on the wild card, eight and two in their last 10. That run differential finally, you know, in the positive, they're plus four. So seems, you know, got off to a slow start, but the bats are coming around for the Jays and, um, We'll be following it as we go on this summer. You got it. Rob Mahoney, I miss Battle of the Network Stars. Wow, that's a blast from the past. Yeah, if, you, if you're young enough that you don't know what we're talking about, get onto YouTube after the show and just put in Battle of the Network Stars and see some of the wild stuff they had back in the 80s with some of the, uh, the top athletes from sports around the world. All right, we've got a lot of hockey to talk about. Ken Weeb will join us in about 25 minutes or so, live from Denver. He was at the morning skates tonight. We'll get Ken's thoughts on the Stanley Cup playoffs, talk a little Jets and more. But coming up in just a second, going to hook up with former Winnipeg Jet and New York Ranger Anthony Batetto, see what he's up to these days, have a few laughs, and get his thoughts on his former team with their big win last night in the conference finals. Just before we do that, big shout-out to our friends over at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. I keep on looking at the Instagram feeds. Make sure to follow them, by the way, at Aikens Lake and on Twitter. Uh, pulling some monsters out earlier in the season. They're going to be incredibly busy this year. There is a limited amount of availability a couple times this year, but maybe it's a great time to get planning for a once-in-a-lifetime five-star trip, fly-in fishing right here in Manitoba for next season. Find out more on everything Aikens Lake can do for you, whether it's a family trip, a corporate outing, at AikensLake.com and at Aikens Lake on all your social channels. We'll be out there later on this summer and hopefully coming back with many great stories and many great picks of some monster fish with our friends out at Aikens Lake. Hey, our, our gang over at Wallace & Wallace continues to be Winnipeg's leader in fencing and overhead doors. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. I've been serving this area since 1946. And hey, if you need the security and protection of a new fence or if Winter did a number on your old one, give them a call. They got vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences whatever you need and heck if you need a new garage door they've also got winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors an expert can come down at a time you arrange to give you a free estimate pop down and see them at their showroom on lawson road off keniston or find out more at wallacefences.com uh getting ready for the rady dinner Coming up, we had the uh, Zach on yesterday talking about uh, interviewing Emmett Smith with Matt Libel. I'm really looking forward to that. Of course, that's a perfect example of some of the things that are back. We're going to need to look good on. Throw the uh, throw the suits. And if you need a new suit, if you haven't worn one through the pandemic and it's time to step it up, get on down to F Apparel. Talk to Andrew and the gang about a custom suit starting at just $400. The best spot in Winnipeg to uh, get a great deal and look great. Uh, and they've also been the uh, headquarters for so many weddings uh, for the number of years. 
15% off for the wedding party if you get your suits at F Apparel. Find out more online at fephapparel.com. Pop up and make an appointment to come down for a fitting. And of course, you can also visit them in person down at 190 Smith Street. And a big shout out to the gang over at Vita Health, keeping us healthy and keeping us ready for a fun summer. Vita Health has great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Uh, delicious lunch options like Vita Market salad, soup, sandwiches, and more at the Grab and Go Deli, and amazing healthy options for the barbecue, including lean bison steaks or chicken. And hey, if you can't make it into one of their seven stores, visit their brand new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, Ken Weeb in Denver coming up in a few minutes, but first let's welcome back to the program, Anthony Batetto on Winnipeg Sports Talk. What is going on? Not much, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad I get the opportunity to come out here and hang out with you guys and, you know, just talk a little smack, enjoy it, and have some fun with this. No doubt. You know what? Hey, let's first up catch up. I know a lot of people be interested to uh, to know. I mean, you were playing with the Rangers uh, this year. Actually got dealt at the deadline over to San Jose. Fill us in a little bit on the season and uh, how things went with uh, getting that weird call for any player at the at the deadline. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for me, it was a dream to play in, uh, with the Rangers. So when I signed there two years ago, I had that opportunity. You know, it was a blessing. It was something I, you know, it was a dream dream of mine to put on that put on that jersey. So when I had that opportunity, I was a full full throttle into it. So uh, fast forward a little bit. I have a good year. Um, the COVID happens and the season's kind of like all over the place. But, um, you know, we had the whole uh, Wilson incident. Um with um, him going after Panarin. And the, the team kind of was shaken up a little bit in the summer. They brought some new guys in. They had a lot of young guys. Um, so went into training camp, and my mindset was trying to make the team and do, you know, do what I've done for the last, you know, 10 years playing this game. Um, you know, things didn't work out so well for myself, but uh, I was get sent down to Hartford, and my mindset was to get back with that team as fast as possible. I wind up getting hurt. And that was kind of like the little turning point in the year where it's kind of like a little downhill slope. Um, I finally recover, get back. Uh, the team's doing really well in Hartford. Uh, I'm enjoying hockey and, you know, playing a little more offense in the American League, not more uh, defending as much. And then I'm out to lunch uh, on trade deadline day, not even paying attention to it. And uh, my dad calls me and he's like, I just saw your name on ESPN. You got traded to San Jose. I'm like, holy, what a league. I love this. Uh, so sure enough, we get home, my agent calls me, San Jose called me, and, uh, you know, that was it. I was on a plane the next day to out, out west and check out California and the weather. <laughs> <laughs> How was it? It was t- It was good. Like, the experience was good. Uh, that was my first, like, out Cali team. Uh, met some good people, some good coaching. Uh, but, you know, the team was kind of struggling. I don't think we, we, didn't, we <laughs> didn't win a game when I was there, and, Hopefully that's not a pinpoint of me, but <laughs> yeah, overall it was, uh, you know, it was a tough experience, but it was a good experience. You, uh, I want to ask you about the Rangers, obviously in the playoffs right now, but you, you mentioned, you know, playing a little bit more offensively. I mean, you had four with Hartford, you had two with the Barracuda, 
But I wanted to ask you about the goal you scored with the New York Rangers because if anyone has seen this goal, and we maybe have to get the clip afterwards, we'll show yeah, it. We for sure have to put the can. clip up. <laughs> uh, you look, you listen, you reminded me of Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, it was the full, you had the puck did almost two full revolutions in the offensive zone and then it somehow went in. And I remember you speaking afterwards. Obviously, it was a big goal. You were fired up to get one for your team. But am I not mistaken? The last three times you'd actually scored in the National Hockey League, it had been disallowed for some reason or a challenge? Yeah. So one was in Winnipeg. The third one was in Winnipeg. And then I had two in Nashville. And I remember after scoring, I literally was got back to the bench and I was just, please drop the puck. Because if this gets turned back, then I am not scoring ever again. <laughs> I was so focused. And it happened to be that uh, Peter Laviolette was the coach on Washington and I had him in Nashville, and I'm just praying that Lavi doesn't challenge this. And sure enough, the puck drops. I'm like, wow, I just I just scored an unbelievable goal for the New York Rangers. So it, uh, yeah, it was a moment I'll never forget. Um, Anthony, listen, I mean, obviously you're not with the organization right now, but still close with a number of players on that team. And, uh, you know, being a, a team I'm sure you're paying close attention to. Uh, what have you thought about this run so far to the conference finals and the big win last night to get a one nothing lead over the defending champs. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, and that's what I said to uh, Drew, the GM, when, when he traded me, I was like, you know what, you gave me an opportunity to be a Ranger and you're going to have a fan for life because I mean, I grew up a Ranger fan. I'll, no matter if I'm playing this game forever or coaching or whatever, I'll always be a New York Ranger fan. Like I said, I got to wear that uniform. So anyway, about them, um, I, their message in training camp was that it was no quit. And that's their slogan right now. they, no matter what the situation is, you can come back from it and you can keep pushing. And they've shown that, you know, uh, round one, they're down three, one against a great team, Pittsburgh, a team that's been there, done that. And they get the job done. Carolina, a team that was favorited. Um, they go to seven, two series in a row and get it done. And then they come out last night and they look unbelievable. Like I think that was their best game overall as a team. Um, you could tell that they're hungry for something. The kid line that everyone's talking about was dominant again. Uh, and Igor is Igor. When Igor is on, that team can beat anybody any any single night. Yeah, I mean, Shesterkin. And, and listen, what was, I think, the most impressive was the way they picked him up when he didn't have a great first round, steeled himself, and then obviously, I mean, the, the back and forth with the team like the Canes and then winning on the road in Game 7 shows that they're ready for prime time. And, of course, your old teammate here in Winnipeg, Andrew Kopp's having a pretty nice uh, start to his time in New York. Uh, he's the toast of the Big Apple now. Oh, yeah, he's been phenomenal. I mean, I knew once he was going to get there and he was playing with Stroman and Panarin that he was going to excel. Uh, he's an unbelievable player, brilliant mind. I mean, he learned a lot from Scheifert. I remember that in, uh, in Winnipeg. Those two worked every single day on stuff. Uh, and it's good to see. I remember Copper called me the day he got traded, and I was like, I'm going west, and he's coming east. I'm like... Maybe I'll pass you in the airport, but otherwise you're going to enjoy it. It's a good team, and sure enough, he's been a, a huge impact for them. It, you know, this is a team that's been on a bit of a rebuild over the last couple seasons, but I, I'd imagine that there's – I mean, and really this would be the same, I'm sure, with the Knicks or the Giants or maybe even the Jets if they ever get their act together. I mean, if you're winning in New York – um, and goes to let's say with you know something like the Yankees, but I mean the the Rangers. We saw the atmosphere in MSG last night. You <clears> see the love for that team. Um, it's probably a pretty good spot to be on a team that's having some success, especially come playoff time. Oh, there's there's no better city in the world to do that. And 
for all all major sports, the Giants, the Yankees. I can't stand the Jets, so we'll leave them out. But <laughs> the uh, even the Knicks. I remember two years ago when the Knicks were in the playoffs, they they won Game Two, and you would have thought they won the NBA championship. The city was rocking. We're leaving the it was the Trey Young, uh, the Trey Young game when they were screaming "F you, Trey Young" or whatever. It was a blast. I mean, that's New York when you're winning. You're you're as tall as the Empire State Building. When you're not, you're you're in the subway. You're you're struggling in New York. Um, if they're gonna get this done and beat Tampa, I mean, you know, you're going up against you're slaying the dragon, if you will, of the National Hockey League. I mean, I think it's obvious they need to do more of what they did last night. But from a guy that's played against them, I mean, what is it about the Tampa Bay Lightning? Um, and and the fact that they've won back to backs. Does that make it even more of a challenge knowing that you're going over a team that's won it? Or does it maybe help a team like the Rangers because they know this is the test right now? We're getting our shot at the, uh, it's like a title fight. You know, we're getting a shot at the at the belt and it brings out the best in a team that is an underdog like New York. For sure. I, I think the, you, the title fight concept is the perfect analogy because you go out, you have a great call to round one, game one, you win round one. But the biggest thing for New York is you can't take round two off. You can't take that third game off. These are games that you have to almost exceed even more, come even hungrier than come, uh, you know, than what you're doing. Um, so I think the biggest thing for them is just to stay the course. Don't get too too high because you had a great game, one win. The garden's going to be rocking. You don't have to worry about that. Just go out there and do what you've been doing and, and enjoy it. That you enjoy those times, and that's when success happens. Hey, let me ask you just before we move on from the Rangers about a couple of uh, players on the team. One's a former Jet and Jacob Truba who had another monster season and is maybe one of the most dangerous players out to be on the ice at the same time. <laughs> um, and Adam Fox, who is a bit of a revelation. I think a lot of people out West that don't get to see a lot of the Rangers are maybe surprised about, you know, the season he had last year. But, I mean, you would have been in a lot of meetings, playing a lot of games, practicing yeah. with these guys. Tell us about the defenseman that Truba has turned into and just what a special player Adam Fox is. So Truba, I hit it off with Trubas right away. He was, uh, you know, an older guy when, when I got there. He was there already. And the way he carries himself, the way he prepares for games, he, he, you know, he, he's a true pro. He's a guy that as a young kid, like Foxy and those guys, they're going to look up to him. He's a, he's a great example of that. And then I think he took a step this year. You know, the Rangers don't have a captain currently, someone who wears the C, but there's three or four of those guys that took steps. I'm talking Zibanejad, Panarin, you know, uh, Truba, Kreider. Those are all guys that could wear the C. And I think they're doing a hell of a job teaching those young kids how to be pros. And it's starting to show. Um, the way he's hitting guys, though, in the playoffs, he's on a mission. He, he wants to be the strongest, the hardest to play against the man. And that's a huge step for them. And, and I think it's rubbing off on other guys. You see Miller starting to throw the body more. I think Lindy's been been very solid, strong. And I think he's, you know, seems like he's fighting through some injuries right now. Uh, but it's a good step for them. And Foxy is, I played with some pretty damn good D. Uh, Yossi, um you know, these guys, and then you see Foxy and the way he, I, I got a funny story. I got to tell you about Foxy, actually. Um, so Foxy's a Long Island kid, obviously, you know this. And uh, so my buddy, Justin, he, um, we run a men's league team in the summer when I was in Long Island. So we, we call up, he goes, and I don't know Adam Fox at this point. So Foxy comes down to the game, sitting in the locker room. He's got his, uh, his Hartford um, hockey bag. This is before he's even played an NHL game. And he's out there just moping around. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like, where did you find this guy? He's like, my buddy Justin's like, 
he's going to play in the NHL one day. I'm like, in the NHL, this guy can't even play out men's league. <laughs> so that this might discredit my scouting career, but I, I couldn't believe it because he turned into more than he's one of the best. I'd say he's a top three defenseman between Yosa Makar and him. It's incredible how poised he is with the puck and how, how much he can dominate a game uh, just with his style of, of play. It's, it's impressive to watch. He didn't quite have the game face on for the Long Island Beer League uh, Midsummer <laughs> Classic with Anthony Potato and the boys. No, and, and, and that's not me. Like, I want to go out there and I'm trying to win men's league. <laughs> I want the championship. But, uh, yeah, Foxy, great guy. Still talk to him. Unbelievable player. Hey, let me – you just, you mentioned the way that Gerard Gallant handled, uh, you know, coming in New York, taking over the club, not – appointing a captain and we've had a lot of conversations i mean listen big picture in winnipeg there are ex expected to be some significant changes and you've got a number of younger players that seem to be ready to maybe have a bigger role in that leadership group if you will um what was it what was the message from gerard gallant when they didn't name a captain and what did that do for a team as well you know maybe some guys that wouldn't normally have had the opportunity to be wearing a letter or be part of that leadership group to kind of grow it and bring some other players in from your perspective I mean, I, I think from a coach coming in, I think he wanted to learn his players. I wouldn't be surprised if they named somebody the, you know, the following season. Um, I think he wanted to learn the guys, know who was the right fit for himself. And I think he's done a hell of a job uh, with that. And I, like I said, there's probably three or four guys that can wear that, wear that letter. And I think those guys, the leadership group in, in New York have done a, a, a great job, even when I was there. Uh, I can't speak on, you know, now when they're, when I'm gone, but obviously things are trending in the right direction for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, everything's coming up Rangers right now. Hey, just what do you remember? I mean, you know, when you have, when you're with a team, there's a coaching change, you come in the new year, uh, especially a respected veteran coach like Gerard Gallant. What do you remember about, you know, the first day there, the message with a new coach going forward and kind of establishing his culture and his stamp on the team from day one? Yeah, like I, I didn't spend much time with him. Uh, I was there just for the training camp. But, I mean, the way he approached things was, you know, work hard, compete. Uh, it's kind of like the cliche of messages, but how he handled himself, you know, he's very laid back, relaxed. But when it came time to work, he he was on top of his things. And like I said, the short time that I was there, I, you know, you hear tons of good things from him, um, you know, throughout the league, guys who play with him. You, you reach out to people who, who who've had him. Um, and the message has always been the same with him, and, and that's why I think he's found success and kind of everywhere he's gone. Anthony Potato's with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Anthony, I've got to ask you about the Jets. I mean, I know you got a lot of friends still in the organization, <laughs> had a great time here being a part of the club. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you spent much time watching the team. I mean, I think everyone would agree this is a disappointing year. This team has a lot of talent. It did not make the playoffs. And, of course, lost Paul Maurice in the year. I mean, what were your observations uh, about the about the Jets from what you saw? And, and how surprised were you in December when uh, you heard that uh, Maurice was leaving the team? Yeah, it was surprising. Uh, Paul, Coach P, was one of, if not the best coaches I've ever had. Uh, had a lot of respect for that man. Uh, you know, his track record was phenomenal. And when I signed in Winnipeg, I told my wife, I was like, I don't know what we're getting into. Like, <laughs> I, it's not like the big known city to go. And uh, it honestly changed the way I thought about it. it I can't say one thing bad about it. The, the atmosphere there, besides how cold the weather is, um, there's not much to say about Winnipeg that's negative. I, and I, I really enjoyed my time there. Good restaurants. Lot, the people there are great. Um, but, yeah, in, in terms of this season, you know, I, sometimes you got to hit 
you know, you hit a roadblock in the road. You, you, you're trying to rebuild, you know, they, the year before when I was there, uh, or two years before now, um, you know, the focus was get the D better, get the D better, get the D better. But Hellebuck went on to win the Benson that year. I don't think we were that that bad as as a D group. And I'm just pumping my own tires a little bit. But <laughs> um, then you go out, you make some moves, and sometimes you hit a little speed bump. And, you know, I'm sure those guys are going to be hungry next year coming in. Uh, I'm sure they're going to wind up getting, you know, a, a coach that they feel comfortable with coming in. Uh, you see the rumors that, you know, Trotsy's in the mix and some other guys, and I have no idea who's, who's it going to be, but I'm sure, uh, you know, the ownership there knows what they're doing and they'll put somebody in that position to get that team, you know, you know, clicking in the right direction again. Uh, so now we're into the off season. You're of course, based out of Nashville where you, you played a number of seasons and you go back there in the off season, but I was saying off air before, Oh, were you there for Memorial day weekend? I'm sure it was nuts. And he says, no, actually you have your own Memorial Day tradition. Tell yeah. us what you did last weekend. So my, my Memorial Day tradition, 10th year in a row, uh, is the Indianapolis 500. So I played uh, in the USHL in Indy in 08, 09, and my billets were huge Indy fans. And they were like, come to this race. And I'm like, come to this race. A kid from New York, all they do is turn left and drive fast. And we're like, what's, what's the hype about? So we wind up, we win the, uh, the Clark Cup in Indiana. This is 2009. And um, they're like, why don't you stay a couple extra weeks and, and come out to the 500? So I call a couple of my buddies and my buddies are like, sure. So we all go out and it changed my life on IndyCar. The, one of the most ex- coolest, most fun atmospheres, experiences I've ever had. And I've gone 11 years straight now. I missed one, one race. Um, and that was when I was in the finals uh in 2017 with nashville but otherwise every year we go and it's kind of been a tradition well a good reason to miss the indie that's for sure playing in the <laughs> yeah. uh, playing in the finals i mean what's it like there i mean i i kind of had the same perception of it but you talk to people that have been to those events nascar as well and they rave about it um and to be honest we were there we did the show for a week when the Super Bowl was in Indianapolis yeah. and we got out to the track in the 500 for the big media party in the event. But yeah. obviously there wasn't a race on. I mean, what was it that got you so hooked? Man, just the atmosphere. They do it, the, the national anthem, the flyover, like the whole, the whole production that they put into it. And then that first lap when those cars come around, you can't explain it. Like you get chills thinking about, I'm getting chills thinking about it, but the lap, the sound of the car and then, the amount of people that are so excited about one individual event, it's amazing. I mean, there's 300 plus thousand people there. Everyone's there to have a good time. And it's, it's a blast. The infield's a party. You're having a great time. Uh, and like I said, the, when the weather's great and the cars are running, it's, there's nothing better. Okay. I have to ask you this as someone that's been to thousands of events as a fan, what the hell are the logistics like of getting to an event with 300,000 people? I mean, are you parking <laughs> two miles away? Are you like, like, how does that work? That, that's exactly right. You literally park two, two and a half miles away and you have to walk into the track. But a lot of people like RV and there's like uh, RV lots around so you can, you know, spend time closer. Then there's passes that you have uh, RV track inside the, the actual track. And those people will stay for three three days. Uh, but yeah, if you're walking, you're walking two and a half miles because all the roads are closed. You can't get in there, you know, single file car line. That's about it. But it's, listen, I, I was the same way. And I was like, there's no way a kid from New York is going to a, 
IndyCar race. Like, what is that? And it changed my life. I, I'll, I'll continue to go on Memorial Day weekend. Sure, you need a couple tall boys for the uh, couple roadies <laughs> for the walk in from the car getting oh, yeah. to the we, getting we to the gate. We got a gates. wagon with a cooler. I'll <laughs> <laughs> well, see. That, that's that's a veteran move right there. Yep, I bet you didn't it. have that in year one, but you sure as hell nope. had it going forward after that. <laughs> Anthony Vitello's with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, last time we we checked in was right around the start of the pandemic, and you were actually having some fun playing some video games, doing some Twitch streaming. Uh, well, where's that at right now, and what are you playing? Yeah, so the pandemic was, uh, you know, unfortunate, obviously, and knocked the season down, but it opened some paths for myself in terms of doing some charity work, and we uh, we hosted a couple of Fortnite tournaments. Fortnite was a big game uh, then, and uh, for the last two years, I haven't really done much streaming. I got back to Nashville, and I was like, you know what, let me do it again. And the outlook and was pretty positive, and, you know, people enjoy it, and it's for me, it's more of just like the social aspect. I get to go on there, play with some buddies, and next, you know, I'm running my mouth to some chat people. People come in, ask me questions. I enjoy it. It's fun for me. Uh, it's something to do, and you know, I hope people, you know, more and more people come in there, and we can grow it a little bit and, and do some pretty cool events. Now, are you playing NHL, or are you like uh, do you like the gun games where you get to kill everyone, or what? Uh, like, <laughs> what's the what's the game like when you are streaming? Or I knew Fortnite yeah. was a big one that you really got into a couple of years ago. Yeah, Fortnite's always a classic. I mean, now people are way too good. They, the buildings and it's out of control. But uh, the Call of Duty game's a good game. Uh, a lot of those Battle Royale games. But, I mean, the classic is still NHL. You can throw on NHL and play with some buddies and, and try to score goals like I can't in the NHL. But I make me feel better in the video game. <laughs> hey, listen, you got that one that they'll be talking about for years. One of the <laughs> nicest goals of the season of all people from you. It's That's, a great spot. Yeah. What uh, What's up for the summer? Uh, not much. I got a one-year-old now, 15 months, so like busy with that. Oh, and, keeps you busy, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's for sure. She's great, though. Uh, just in Nashville, I'm going to go out and visit my parents and do a trip down to Florida, but I'm just getting back at it, working out and getting healthy and then trying to make another track of the NHL. Now, I, I've got to ask you, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, you're focused on continuing your hockey career as long as you can, uh, but you're so much fun to talk to. We've seen how much fun you've had with the streaming and stuff like that. What, have you thought much about what you're going to do after you're an active player? Are you thinking, I mean, I think you'd be a natural to get into something where we could hear you talk more, like basically broadcasting or yeah. you know, some of the things like we're doing. Um, or, you know, with the experience that you've had as a player at so many different levels and teams, have you thought about maybe being coaching or involved in the game in another way? Yeah, absolutely. I, I always enjoyed the, you know, the, the learning aspect of the game and the teaching aspect. I think, you know, even when I, gotten older I've taken pride in you know kind of trying to gear the younger kids into you know b becoming more pro someone who's done there been there been in all situations I was you know playing a ton not playing at times scratched the ear injured like I kind of have all these different traits uh that most people probably didn't have to go through um so in terms of that yeah I think coaching could be something that I'll, I'll enjoy uh, but at the same time, like, I also like to have fun. So I, I got to find the mix of that. Uh, you know, the broadcasting side might be something I, you know, take a stab out. Uh, you know, I got a nice action as people call it, but <laughs> so we'll see, man. I, I like I said, I, I enjoy him where I'm at right now and, you know, kind of, you know, I don't know how many years I got left, but I'm going to, you know, try to get back to the NHL and if not enjoy hockey and, and play it as long as possible. But after that, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to work. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, we've always got a spot for you here on WST if you want to kick it around. And 
Tell you what, if your boys can maybe keep playing the way they did last night, maybe we can talk again about the New York Rangers and the Stanley Cup Finals in a couple yeah. of weeks. I, I like that, yeah. Even if we, uh, a couple of games from now, we check back in and make it see, see how they go. But yeah, I'm, I'm always up for that, guys. Anthony, appreciate it. Lots of love from you from uh, Jet fans here in the chat. Welcoming you back. And um, let's do this again soon. I mean, we've always loved to yeah. chatting with you. It's great to have you back. And uh, well, we'll enjoy the rest of these Stanley Cup playoffs. Talk to you soon. And uh, hopefully talk more about you in the NHL, but certainly more visits to Winnipeg Sports Talk. I like him, man. I appreciate you guys. It was good, good first time, good first episode. So we'll definitely do more, and uh, I'll come up with some some more stories too to share with you. <laughs> Cannot wait for him, Anthony. Have a great one, man. Thanks so much for doing this. You too, guys. Take care. Uh, great stuff with Anthony Botetto. Could talk to him all day. And what an accent, too, huh? I know people were enjoying that in the chat. Big thanks to Anthony. And we'll definitely have him back on the program sometime soon as well. All right. Ken Weave's going to be joining us in just a couple minutes from Denver. I'm sure he's hydrating right now. Hope he can get his hands on some Culligan water. You know, Ken, the king of hydration, needs the best. And the best, of course, is Culligan. Hey, they've been the experts in Winnipeg and Manitoba for water services for over 65 years as a family-owned business. And they really have whatever you need. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them at 1200 Sargent Avenue or online at drinkculligan.com. Uh, man, we get a lot of great feedback for all of our sponsors, but I have to say, the folks that pop by Manitoba Battery, we always appreciate you mentioning Winnipeg Sports Talk. They've had great feedback, but man, they've taken great care of our listeners and viewers, and not, they've got extra hours to help you out right now as we get into spring and summer, and many of you are working on projects after work or on the weekend. Manitoba Battery is going to save you money and save you time on whatever type of battery you need. You're working on a hot rod, you got a golf cart, a boat, a sedu, whatever. They've got you covered, and you'll save money and save time as opposed to getting to the big box stores. Uh, pop down and see them, 1026 Logan Avenue. Phone them ahead, 783-8787. They'll get whatever you need ready for you to pick up quick and easy, and you can always check out what Donnie and the gang has going on online at manitobabattery.com. And hey, Bomber home opener next week. Royal Sports is ready and expanded Bomber section right now. Uh, not to mention a big soccer section. And a lot of people I saw in the chat talking about that Scotland-Ukraine yesterday. Just a tremendous win for Ukraine and the team with what they've been through. And amazing to see the reaction of the Scottish fans applauding the Ukrainians after the game yesterday. Scotland, Ukraine, Team Canada, all the world soccer teams are there at Royal as well. Not to mention for players, soccer, softball, baseball, disc golf, tennis, hockey, and of course, bikes and more. All waiting for you at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway and on the gram at Royal Sports Pemina. Give them a follow for the latest merchandise drops and sales. All right, let's get out to uh, to Denver, Colorado. And uh, last seen looking resplendent in his F apparel suit on the post game after game one. It's Ken Weeb joining us from Denver. Weber, what's up? How are you? That's uh, great to be with you. Uh, right down in Larimer Square here, we've got a little bit of avalanche fever. Uh, don't have the F apparel suit on right now, but it will be uh, locked and loaded and ready to go for the post game hit with Mean Gene Principe and Mark Spector. 
Hey, just uh, give us a little idea about where you're at right now. Uh, we, we're seeing the Colorado jerseys up hung behind you. I see Landeskog and uh, whatnot. Um, I guess you're just in an area right around the arena with uh, a lot of excitement about uh, the conference finals that are underway and will continue tonight. Yeah, yes, sir, Huss. It's uh, Larimer Square right in the heart of downtown. It's about a uh, eight-minute walk from Ball Arena. And the thing is, uh, the sun has not been out since Sunday when we arrived. So uh, folks are enjoying themselves on the patios here, having some lunch. And uh, the one thing that's been a little bit odd, Huss, obviously the atmosphere is fantastic, but because of the 6 o'clock local starts, you just haven't had the same kind of outdoor vibe that we were used to during the Western Conference Final. I would imagine today with the better temperatures, It'll be rocking around the uh, establishments, let's say, around around the building. It was pouring rain on game one, so I don't think there were any outdoor viewing parties. But uh, folks in the uh, in the city and the state are fired up about their avalanche being back in the Western Conference Final for the first time since 2002. Well, you know what? It's good. A six o'clock start that keeps you out of the dispensaries all day and focused, <laughs> focused in on the job at hand. For, Plus, you know, uh, for my focus is never lacking. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, Kenny, listen, before we talk about the skate today and tonight's game, let's go back to a wild game. Number one, uh, we joked before going yeah. in, listen, I know what the bet is. We're taking the over every single game, but 14 goals, four goaltenders, a near comeback by the Oilers after they were down four a very interesting start to the game, the, uh, the series that provided many of the fireworks that we were expecting. Yeah, Huss, there were uh, a, a lot of there was a lot of dabbing on the uh, proverbial bingo card in Game <laughs> One, and uh, some of the dabs were not appreciated by the head coaches uh, when it comes to the defending element. But uh, yeah, it was a really fun game. The superstars were shining for both teams. Uh, obviously, the Avalanche really took it to uh, the Oilers in the first, I'd say, thirty-five to forty minutes. Uh, their cycle game was outstanding. They're, this is how I would put it. The, the Oilers were playing at a pretty good speed, and the Avalanche were playing at warp speed. And it was they just kept coming at them in waves. McKinnon was flying. Makar was flying. Uh, Nazem Kadri was flying. It was, it, was, it was quite a sight to behold. But on a night where they built the lead, the Oilers just didn't go away. It seemed like game one, in a lot of ways, against uh, Calgary in the last round. I mean, they came back strong, and... It's funny, Huss, in a game where Connor McDavid, you would say he didn't have his best game, he still had a goal and two assists for three points. So I think the Oilers will be better today. And I guess, too, I can't ignore the fact that one of those spots on the bingo card uh, was the controversial goal that was allowed to count on the uh, non-offside, uh, the coach's challenge that was, uh, uh, the call on the ice was upheld, let me say. But uh, Take us back to that moment. I, I wanted to ask you about this, so this sure. is a perfect time to do it. Um, you're in the press box. Everyone mm -hmm. is there watching the game. You don't have the, you know, it's not like you've got the replay thing right in front of you. You're seeing what's on. Just take us through what happened, what your initial thoughts were when you saw it. Um, and then obviously how it was explained and um, what the reaction from your colleagues were in the booth. Yeah, Huss, I think most people were in agreement that it looked like offside. I mean, in real time, I don't think everyone noticed Nachushkin on the side trying to exit. Uh, but as soon as the you know the challenge was made, most people after watching the first replay were like, "Oh, he didn't clear. That's clearly offside." So uh, I think most people, when the referee came onto the mic and said, "The goal will stand," and everyone, or the goal will count, and people were like, "Whoa, really?" Uh, what I would say was really impressive. Huss, Stephen Wacom, director of officiating, grabbed a group of reporters that were kind of lingering in that lobby area hallway at ball arena 
and showed them and explained it to them what they were seeing and how the call was explained on the ice. So that was a super helpful part. Now, again, in, in replay, it would be amazing if the ref could say that on the ice, what's happening in real time when he makes the call. But, I mean, at least they made the effort to explain what was happening there. Um, here's my take on it, Huss. I understand the, the rule just fine. But to me, my issue is I, there's no change of possession. I mean, I understand that Kale McCarr has to touch it in the offensive zone, but he was responsible for bringing it into the offensive zone when a player was still in it. So I don't know. I, I totally understand why the call was made, but to me that looked like offside. And uh, like I said, I'm not, I'm not here saying it was the reason the Oilers lost, but it, it led to two goals, one that counted and one on the power play that uh, was given for the failed challenge. So I also love the way that Jay Woodcroft handled it saying that, you know, sometimes you get a break that doesn't go your way. They understood the ruling. And he said, quite frankly, the Oilers needed to kill off that penalty, and then there's no issue. I, I mean, are we uh, like this is going to be talked about for years? I mean, that oh, yeah. play, and, and frankly, it, you know, and many people thought it was karma to the Oilers for the Blake Cole sure. kicking goal not going in, and whatever you can take that up with the hockey gods and see whether they were <laughs> they were involved in it. Um, but we'll be talking about this for for a long time, and I would imagine, like in some ways, the, the what I think the question that comes out of this is. What is the definition of possession of the puck? Right. I mean, I mentioned this on yesterday's show with Marat, but I'll throw it at you. I think it was Bruce McCurdy was on with Low Tide in Edmonton, and they were talking about it. And he said, "Well, if that is if that's yeah. what our de- definition oh, so of possession, you, you know, when Connor McDavid is skating end to end with the ice, does he have possession the whole time, or as he referred it, is it 250 micro possessions when the puck's yeah. on his stick and off the stick?" And I understand why it's very confusing for average fans. I'd imagine it was probably pretty confusing for even the Oilers coaching staff. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, uh, their video coach is like almost always nails the coach's challenge. So here's, here's one thing I want to add, Huss. If that play had been ruled offside on the ice, if the linesman who sees Nachushkin has not cleared, no one's complaining. Not even the, nobody on the Oilers bench is saying, oh, you totally got that wrong. McCarr had it or McCarr, it went off his stick briefly. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's no complaints if that goal, or if, if it's waved off in real time. Uh, the Oilers, or sorry, the Avalanche aren't saying, oh, that was obviously onside. Didn't you see what McCarr did here? Uh, and to me, here's the other part, Huss. Kale McCarr, incredible hockey intelligence. I wrote all about him in, at sportsnet.ca today. But Cole, Kale himself said he got lucky on the play. And I would also say this too, Huss. If you go back down and drill down on the video, it's not like Makar was looking to his right to wait to touch the puck before Nachushkin clears. He's not even watching where Nachushkin is. And Huss, I'm not even sure he knows he's there, to be honest. He made a great read to step up to steal the puck. He went in. He wanted to go at the net. I Honestly, I don't even know that a lot of people thought initially that he maybe just flipped the puck to himself. It's entirely possible that it just rolled off his stick. And that's to take nothing away from the skill of Kale McCarr because he's exceptional. But I'm not sure. I think we're giving him too much credit in order to make it work in terms of what the ruling was. You know what I mean? He definitely waits. But look at look at his face right here. Perfect angle. He's not looking to see <laughs> no if Nachushkin. I'm not even sure he knows he's there. He's not even looking towards him there. So to me, it looks like the puck just rolls off his stick. It's not like he flipped it to himself. 
in real time, if you look at Makar, he goes so fast, there's no way he thought about flipping it to himself. So, I don't know. It, it was an interesting play. But, again, on a night when 14 are scored, it's not just one play that makes the difference. And here's the other part. The thing that, that was unfortunate for the Oilers, Huss, in a period they were absolutely dominated in, Zach Hyman just scored nine seconds oh, earlier. Oh, exactly. If you're the Oilers, if you get to the dressing room, or what was it, 2-2? Two, two? At that time, you're going. You're doing. You're doing uh, cartwheels because of how badly you were outplayed in the first 20 minutes of the game. But instead, they gave up a goal quickly, which happened in the game a couple times, um, and it was interesting. I mean, it just seemed seemed to be such an interesting play in the game. But in real time, I thought it was obviously offside. And like I said, I understand the explanation just fine. I'm just not sure that would have been my interpretation. Um, I have no. No problem with how the rule was applied, but I still think it that's offside. Yeah, listen, I'm sort of with you as well, and, and but I will give them credit. I thought they did a good job at trying to clearly explain it, although mm-hmm, you might agreed. not agree with it. This is the rule, and there's been a number of cases similar to that, although probably not as noteworthy as the one. But as you mentioned, it was very costly for Edmonton. Colorado scores on the power play. They get that lead. Um I felt that the game won from the Oilers' perspective, getting back into it and getting it to 7-6. They just they felt more in that game than even they did in the Calgary game when they For got sure. it to 6-6. Six to six. Like, What was your takeaways from the way the Oilers got back in the game, um, as well as from the Avalanche side of things, letting them get back into the game when they had a stranglehold on the game? Sure, Huss. I mean, in some ways, it reminded me of the game five against the Blues, where they kind of let their opponent... They kind of took their foot off the pedal a little bit, but I don't think they sat back the same way that they did against St. Louis in that third period when they were able to tie the game before the McKinnon goal happened. And then you have the goal by uh, on the back door uh, there by Robert Thomas. So I don't think it was as bad. I don't think they were as loose defensively. To me, there were just some exceptional plays. Like the dry settle pass back door is, is absolutely off the charts. I mean, the power play we know is outstanding so the fact that they were able to get going there no real surprise but i mean we heard hey, jt comfort classic quote after the game if we want to win more games in this series we better tighten up defensively so i know that jared bednar kind of painted a little bit more of a rosy picture and thought there was some bad luck involved but by by today after watching the video uh, bednar was quite frank and saying oh yeah we're going to need to be better um, defensively, if we want to, if we want to win this game and continue to go, because both teams are going to be with trying to trying to drill down into the details in game two here, and we know the Oilers don't want to go down 0-2, and we also know they've done a great job of responding so far in these playoffs after tough starts, and that goes towards Mike Smith as well, whose oh. game ones have <laughs> you looked at the numbers yesterday, Huss? They are uh, no good, <laughs> but his game two numbers are exceptional, so. I mean, we know the goaltending battle is key going into this game. The Avalanche can say every, all that they want about having faith in travel Francois, and we don't doubt that they don't have confidence in him, but these are the facts. Francois was a part-time starter before, but he didn't, you know, Phil Grubauer had the job last year, and they brought in Darcy Kemper and gave up a lot to get him, and with all of those things in mind, they were still one of the teams in the Marc-Andre Fleury market. So, I mean, they have confidence, yes, that he can do the job, but 
I mean, can he do the job for seven more playoff How points much? if that's what's they required? They have confidence. They have confidence, but there's there's degrees of confidence, oh, and I no, would be with sure you. I don't think that they think that they're rolling in just a straight-up one-two. What do we know about Kemper right now in that situation? Because yeah, uh, that is that is massive for what could happen in these next six games. Yeah, two quick things on that, Huss. We don't know anything. Uh, Jared Bednar is in complete uh, uh, cloak-and-dagger uh, playoff mode. Uh, all we know is he's been ruled out for game two. Uh, we don't know what's happening in terms of... Here's the thing. We've done a lot of research here on the media side, including our friend Frank Saravalli. I uh, went back and watched that period over where... So he takes a shot from Cody CC in the mask area. And after that stoppage, he goes to... The, that's where, the, where he goes to the bench in the stoppage. Doesn't come out because they're still on the power play. But we think it could... Again, you never know if it's a concussion... But what we do know is in the series of events, that could have easily been the case. Also, he was asked flat out by reporters if it was anything related to the eye injury in round one with the stick in the eye accidentally from Ryan Johansson. He said he wouldn't get into it. So uh, still a bit of a mystery. Uh, but here's the other part, Huss. Darcy Kemper has had some strong moments, but he hasn't been regular season Darcy Kemper. He was 9-0-4 going into game one. And he still gave up three goals in a short amount of time. So, again, not saying he was at fault or they were bad goals, but he hasn't been playing at a Vesna level during the year. So a lot of people are saying the reason they have confidence, there isn't necessarily going to be a big drop-off when you put in Pavel Fransos based on the fact that Kemper wasn't actually maybe at his A game for a good chunk of the playoffs, especially against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Ken Weaves with us uh, with Sportsnet. Kenny and Rennie on boots on the ground in Denver getting ready for game two, the Western Conference final tonight. Uh, let's move over to the Oilers. Um, sure. They've been in this situation before, but as we've mentioned, they've sort of moved up a weight class, taken on the beasts of the Western Conference right now. Uh, it starts with Mike Smith giving even average NHL goaltending would be a nice improvement. I think he'll need to be a lot better than that to win um, in, in tonight's game. What did you hear from Jay Woodcroft earlier today and how might things look different for the Oilers looking to get back in this series and even up at one? Yeah, Jay has been sort of the picture of confidence throughout here. And I like the way he's handled the, his media availabilities. I mean, he didn't necessarily agree on, you know, Mark Spector was asking about, well, you know, the bounce back is in your DNA. Well, you know, it's not really in the DNA, but then he went around to say, well, we've done a nice job of responding, which was the whole premise of the question. Uh, in terms of the lineup, I know he went to Evander Kane at times with uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle in that third period for sure. Uh, it looks like based on the morning skate that that's how they will probably start here this evening. And I think that's a great call, Hus. What the Avalanche did in terms of going in the head-to-head, -head, they put Nachushkin on that top line, knowing how defensively conscious he is or conscientious he is, and he's got that big body. So what you need to do against Kale McCarr, not a lot of guys can keep up with him, but you need to get bumps on him and get physical with him when you can. So having Evander Kane be the first guy on the forecheck, that's something that Kane himself mentioned this morning. Uh, we, we need to be more physical on Kale McCarr. And when he was using we in that situation, he meant himself, I mean, if others can get there, no problem. But he's going to be the guy responsible for getting a bunch of those bumps on him. And he's such a big, strong physical power forward that that's one of the areas that the Oilers feel that they can do a better job in in game two here. Um, Ken, what did you think of the game last night? What a performance by the Rangers. You know, uh, 
Remu pointed out uh, Justin Bourne's tweet yesterday. We were talking about this game, and, you know, I think and it was almost deja vu thinking back to last year. The Jets had swept the Oilers. They had the full week to get ready to practice, to be rested, and they're going into game one against Montreal, who's just battled back and had seven hard games and won. Yeah. And, of course, we know what happened in that game and in the series. Apparently, the last seven times that's happened, the team that went to seven has won game one against the team that just uh, won four. So we stayed away from the game, the single yeah. game at total last night. Right. Um, all that being said, man, the Rangers looked even better. Anthony Potato was just on with us, and he thought that that was the best game that they played in the entire playoffs. Um, and I thought Vasilevsky was strong. Like He made a lot of great saves. But, man, their ability to whip that puck across the seam and get wide-open nets for one-timers was um, – was something else. That was a real statement game by the New York Rangers. What were your takeaways from game one? Yeah, 2018 vibes, Huss. Uh, Western Conference final vibes after the Jets went on the road in game seven against Nashville and came out flying out of the gate in game one with the Mark Shifley drop pass to Dustin Bufflin uh, 65 seconds in for the slapper from the blue line uh, to me. So you're, you're not concerned about game one. You're concerned, depending on how long the series goes, uh, if you're the New York Rangers, but they played that one on adrenaline. John Cooper's been saying everywhere that, you know, there were some concerns about his team being flat in the opener. They were flat in a lot of areas, but you got to give full credit to the Rangers. The kid line was absolutely phenomenal in the game yesterday. Philip Hedel, man, what a, what a week he's having uh, in terms of this kind of breakout playoff situation. Uh, Shesterkin solid. Uh, their team has been playing very well. And we talked about it the other day on our, on our, preview show Huss the bread man needs to start delivering and that was a big goal for him and boy oh boy Chris Kreider what a time to uh, get hot uh, for a guy who had been pretty quiet a big game seven and then a big game one uh, when Kreider's going not a lot of guys we talk about power forwards of the Vander Kane Chris Kreider's got that exceptional speed and power game as well and we know the Lightning have a good defense core but he could give some people some problems uh, if he gets himself on a roll and man oh man Mika Zibanejad Huss what a playoffs he's having. Just been absolutely dynamic as the first line center down the middle there. He's been absolutely tremendous. Hey, hey, Kreider scored 52 this year. Yeah. Over or under 45 scored within one foot of the blue paint. <laughs> it's under, but not by much. <laughs> <laughs> not by much. Exactly right. We had a fun conversation. I had to figure that one out yesterday watching the uh, watching the game going forward. Ken Weaves with us in Denver. Um, Ken... Uh, I mean, listen, I know you're covering this series for Sportsnet, but you've always got your ears on the ground as to yeah. what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Adam Lowry uh, and the other players that were participating in the World Championships finished that coming over. But uh, the head coaching search still at the top of the list, and I'm sure that's sure. something that people are asking you about as well on Press Row out there in Denver. Uh, what's the scuttlebutt yeah. about the Jets right now? And uh, have you heard anything more on the Winnipeg Jets coaching search? Yeah, uh, the Trots watch is still kind of going at the snail's pace, but uh, that's by design. Uh, Barry Trotz uh, taking his time. We talked about this last week, I believe, Huss. If this is potentially Barry's last head coaching job, and we're not saying it necessarily is, but it may be. So if that's the case, he wants to be sure that the situation is right for him. Uh, it's interesting. I, I don't. I said this before, and I will stand by it. I don't think there is a front runner that has emerged but that also means the Jets are still very much in the equation. One of the interesting things around the rink uh, is that it sounded like the Jets were also interested in talking with Rick Tockett, uh, but not sure if that's going to happen or not. We know that Tockett's, you know, 
uh, name in demand in some other areas as well. Uh, so not a lot of clarity, Huss, is the, uh, is the uh, concise answer, uh, but things still sort of uh, so- sorting themselves out. And now, too, with the, you know, Jets management is at the combine and everything else. This is just something that's still going to take a little bit of time. We know the Panthers are still deciding what's happening with Andrew Burnett unless something's happened in the one hour since I've been uh, left the rink here. But I think there will be, you know, we said this before, everyone wants to happen in real time. I think this will happen in the next two weeks maybe, but it may, it's one of those things where I think it may happen before the Stanley Cup final, but it definitely needs to happen. Not definitely, but I would expect it before the draft and quite likely it happens before the Stanley Cup final. There's always one of those kind of news embargo kind of situations where the league would like all the focus to be on the Stanley Cup Finals. So the teams that are looking for coaches, I know a lot of them would like to have it done maybe before game one. If it can't happen, you know, end of June probably is what we're looking at here. But yes, not a lot of clarity, but still a lot of discussions happening. Yeah, and, and you know, and from Trotz's perspective, I mean, he's um, speaking with the people that he needs to speak to and considering what he needs to do. Um, and it really does seem, I'm not sure whether you share this opinion, that almost everything else in the coaching market with a number of jobs open is sort of on hold right now <laughs> till they feel what the number one choice of many teams decides to do. Yeah. A little domino effect special has for sure. Uh, but will, will Barry be the first domino? Now that's, that's what the other situation is. And if you're one of those teams that's maybe on the periphery and not a front runner, do they go to a plan B to ensure they don't miss out on both trots and their plan B now, that would be the other situation to kind of keep an eye on. But I think that we, what we know about Barry Trotz is that there's a reason he's in demand. And I think, that, you know, quite frankly, most of the other candidates are going to have to wait and decide to see what happens in terms of what Trotz decides before they try to get the chair, before the musical chair's music uh, comes to a, a screeching halt. Hey, what, uh, what do you think the chances that Maurice is behind a bench next year? I would say um, moderate to moderate to fair uh i would like to say good and i still think there is a good chance he'll be on a bench before next season is over i'd feel much more confident saying maurice will be on a bench before next season is over but i do think there's still a steadfast chance that he would be in the mix i've heard he could be in the mix for philadelphia dallas is a team i've heard a little bit about i know you know somebody had reported vegas was maybe uh, talking to him as well and uh, john morosi actually mentioned the detroit red wings as a possibility as well, huh? So, I mean, we'll monitor things closely. I think Paul is feeling pr- probably refreshed after a time where, you know, it, we know it was an emotional time when he stepped away. We know he had been a little bit of burnout, but uh, I think that, I think, it, like I said, I think that we might see Paul Maurice working in the media in the fall and maybe be one of those guys that's getting calls to uh, hop back behind the bench maybe when an opening or two may happen. Uh, early on in the season, perhaps. I'd totally be there for Maurice getting back on a yes, panel. Sure. I mean, yes. listen, I, I jokingly say I miss Maurice just for, you know, the, the stuff that he gives us before and after games. Yeah. And I mean, hockey's better with him in front of a microphone. A little looser Indeed. Maurice able to talk about everything as part of a job where you have to do that might be even better for uh, better for hockey fans. He's speaking <laughs> of coaches and GMs. One other local story that I wanted to hit with you, I was going to talk about it later, but while we've got you here, um, sure. you know, we talked about the disappointing end of the season for the Winnipeg Ice, but the accolades continue to come in for members of the organization. 
Matt Cockle gets general manager of the year for the Winnipeg Ice. James Patrick, head coach of the year, the Western Hockey League. Um, you know, a phenomenal season with a very bright future, especially next year. But, um, you know, kudos are due for both of those guys that did um, a pretty great job considering I think everyone knew this team had the ability to be a very good team this year. I don't think people were expecting them to be near the top of the CHL rankings for the majority of the season, despite the unfortunate end in the East Final. Yeah, bang on, Hassan. Well said. I mean, we're Sean and I were fortunate to have uh, both guys on. I mean, we had James on before the series playoff started and Matt Cockle on one of our preview shows. And just two guys that have done an exceptional job building this program. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people are just getting on the old bandwagon now and see this finished product and say, holy smokes, these guys are unbelievable. But those guys had to work through some lean years, Huss, before they got to Winnipeg. They worked really hard at establishing a great culture around that team. And you're right. I mean, the best is probably still yet to come for that group. And we know there would be some disappointment in how abrupt things ended for them. But that is an exceptional accomplishment for a young team. And they've got the potential to go even further next year uh, with a little bit more experience having gone through this playoff run. And those two gentlemen that you mentioned, I mean, Matt Cockle, he always praises his staff, but Matt's done a great job in the GM role. And James is an, an exceptional uh, head coach, really smart hockey guy. And I mean, to me, I think James wants to be back behind the ice bench and sort of you know, push this thing through. But uh, I could see James being a guy that would be under NHL consideration for a head coaching job uh, in the not too distant future, depending on if that is something he wanted to do down the road. But uh, like you mentioned, uh, accolades well-deserved. And I would say both those guys are still hungry to take that next step uh, and beyond moving forward. Hey, Weaver, before we go, uh, nobody dominates their time away from the <laughs> rink on the road like you. Um, did you get to the ballpark yesterday? Fill us in on what you've been doing outside of uh, all the strenuous uh, lifting you've been doing for yes. sportsnet.ca. <laughs> well, Huss, uh, I was going to say to you, well, yesterday I was working on the hmm. Macar column, but here's, the, here's how it unfolded. Terrible timing for the Rockies scheduling this week. Uh, day games on the both both days where they were the day games were not scheduled very well. They're on the game on the game nights they had night games, but because of the rain on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, yeah, getting my days mixed up here. It's that time in the playoffs. They had a rain out, so it meant a double header yesterday. As I was finishing my Kale McCarr column yesterday, Huss, I look at the box score, and in the right hand corner it flashes no hitter. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. There's a no hitter happening. I'm five minutes from the ballpark. I've never seen one. Ace Walker is the closest thing I've seen with the gold eyes of one hitter. Um, but by the time I had sent a text to some of the other reporters, the no hitter had been broken up. So we ensured that we got to game two of the double header. Uh, we missed out on Randall Gritchick coming in to pitch the, uh, the ninth inning in the opener, but we were able to get to the game. Uh, it's a fabulous ballpark. Home runs were flying out there like nobody's business. Uh, we did not stay for the walk-off ending uh, because there were dinner plans, but uh, any afternoon inside a ballpark at the minor league or major league level, Huss, you know, is an absolute bonus. And uh, people would joke about the maximization. I was looking for a Guns N' Roses concert in a nearby city or town, but uh, no no concerts on the horizon. I had a great meal at Osterio Marco uh, one of the great Italian restaurants here in Colorado uh, with a couple of colleagues. So oh, the game, uh, I was going to ask there. you where you went. I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't leave games early to go to Arby's. I mean, I there, know, there had no, to be. No, Huss, I know <laughs> it's, it is, uh, uh, 
I mean, this is going to sound very Ken, sad. You can and... order chicken fingers and fries anywhere. <laughs> uh, you know, I like to eat a little better than that. Mostly us. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm embarrassed to say this. It was cold yesterday afternoon. It was a, a whopping 54 degrees, windy. Um, if it were today and it was sunny and, and in the seventies, uh, there's no chance I would have left, but, uh, it was, let's just say it was a group decision. I wasn't the one leading the charge, but it was a team choice. And uh, I have to stick with the team, Huss. You know, I'm a team player. Well, you are. And by the way, <laughs> I don't know who we need to talk to down there, but uh, I like just, the ambient noise here. Well, it, it's been great. We thought you were going to get run over by a backloader for the first 10 minutes of it. I mean, you, you pulled it, you pulled it through. We go but to great lengths, Huss. We go to great lengths to make this hit happen every single week. Whoever is manufacturing all those damn Colorado lows, tell them to keep them to themselves. We've had about enough at this point. Exactly, exactly. Let's uh, let's get the nice weather out of it. I heard the rain is finally um, suspending operations. Or yeah, the like rain suspended home? operations. It's gusting to about sixty or seventy right now, though, oh, and perfect. it's cold. And I think it's going down to two tonight. So uh, you're not you're not missing too much. It's not prime Manitoba golf tour weather, Man, just like this. It's uh, a slow start for the tour house, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the June and July and August are going to be exceptional. Hey, f- uh, just quickly before we go, fill people in on uh, what you've got coming up, what you're doing today, where they can read the content, and uh, when you might reappear on the tube like you did <laughs> uh, late night when I was finishing up my evening two nights ago. Yes, I appreciate the text and the exposure, Huss. Uh, good news, uh, Mean Gene and myself and Mark Spector will be live after the game as well here tonight. We've got Mark Spector and I have a... Uh, pregame notebook for your uh, reading pleasure and uh, if those folks missed the Makara feature um, yeah it was a fun story to do this guy's an exceptional story us at a time where so many people are in a rush to get to the NHL this is a guy at Kale Makar who said to the avalanche who wanted to sign him no I'm not ready I need one more year and that's what he did he went back dominated at the collegiate level came in in the playoffs and then won the Calder trophy so uh, exceptional play and you just hear people talk about how humble he is and you know how he's playing is you know goes goes without saying, but uh, definitely uh, going to be a fun series. And us can't wait for this one tonight. And let me tell you, hockey night in Canada on a Saturday night in Edmonton in June. Uh, you can sign me up. I'm fired up to be uh, around the arena. We know the people will be jazzed. We know what it was like in 2018 um, in Winnipeg for that series. And a lot more if they can get the win tonight. I will tell you no, that no, much. No, no, no. Will... The series needs some tension, Huss, right? And the, <laughs> the tension would come if the Oilers can win. So, uh, man, oh, man, it's going to be awesome. And I also have to say this, and I said this the other day um, to Sean. Ball Arena, one of the top three to four atmospheres in any of the American buildings. It was absolutely jumping the other night. There were some tense moments when it got to 7-6. But when Landis Gog pumped in that empty netter, uh, Paul Bizanet uh, put it up on the old Twitter machine, I think, yesterday. Boy, oh, boy, the place was absolutely going bonkers. And us, it, was a, it was flashback city. It wasn't a whiteout, but they had the white pom-poms that were at the original Jets whiteouts. Uh, the place was going absolutely bonkers, and it's just a treat to be here. Uh, to cover this exceptional series well, uh, between two entertaining teams. We'll look forward to uh, your reports tonight and, of course, uh, catch up next week. Travel safely, enjoy the game, and thanks for doing this, Kenny. Yeah, thanks, my man. Appreciate you having me. Uh, shout out to all the uh, you know commenters. And also, too, how great great on you getting the Mike McIntyre uh, European-German tour stop. <laughs> yeah. uh, and now Aaron Cockerell, minus two today 
I think tied for 10th was the last that I saw. Beautiful. So, uh, good well, to see. And RBC what a- Canadian Open. We're going to be talking some golf actually right now with Mr. Dubsy. I want to find out what's going on with this Live Golf Tour. Oh, a little bit the Memorial and, of course, RBC Canadian Open next week. Have a good one, Weber. Thanks for doing this. Cheers, Huss. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, my man. All right, great stuff. We are going to get to a little golf talk here on the program. Of course, every time we talk golf, we do it for our friends over at Breezy Bend Country Club. If you're thinking about a great long-term home for you and your family, talk to Corey over there about getting on the waiting list and making Breezy uh, your home base for years to come. Incredible course improvements, new practice facilities, Great junior women's golf programs and an amazing social scene as well. Find out more online at breezybend.ca. I'm looking forward to a bomber season. Of course, the home opener is next week. We'll get to a Princess Auto bomber report from practice a little bit later on. Um, But our friends at Not Big Sponsors, the Bombers, I might have a couple spots in the Loge for next week's home opener. Make sure you pay attention to the program next week. And if you're looking for a new vehicle, what are you waiting for? Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery or visit them online at not.ca. And uh, you know, with Dubsy coming in, I uh, I wish we were live in person because I could give him a, a cheers with a delicious little brown jug. We saw my guy Patrick Mahomes get a little swing juice in him last night in the match and start doing a lot better. Of course, if you're in Winnipeg, you want the best beer that comes from this city. That, of course, is Little Brown Jug. They've got a brand new cider for the summer and some other great new products as well, including the Queer Beer, Saison, Hefeweizen, and the Folk Fest Lager. And, of course, Little Brown Jug will be at the Folk Fest as well coming up in a few weeks here in Winnipeg. Pop down and see him at the Brewery and Tap Room on William Avenue or get the great taste of Little Brown Jug at your favorite beer store. And of course, you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. All right. I'm really excited for this conversation. Always love having Dubs Anderson on the show. Uh, but there's some crazy, crazy things going on in the world of golf and big tournaments as well, but big things happening off the grid. And let's welcome in. Speaking of grids, you often see him on Sports Grid along with my guy Gabe Morenci and Cam Stewart. Gubs, we were missing you big time when I hooked up with those jokers down in Vegas. We were only we were one short, one individual short of the perfect dream team for uh, some good times in Sin City. And mate, I'm a couple of French fries short of a Happy Meal, so it would have been a dangerous combination. Me on a night out down there in Sin City, Hustler, I don't know how that's going to end, especially with good company like you boys, but it looked like a fantastic time. What a fantastic time it is in sports, in golf. we got so much going on. i tell you what, the Stanley Cup playoffs, that's got my attention. The NBA Finals, but here on the PGA Tour, the Live Saudi Golf League, the RBC Canadian Open, the US Open, only two weeks away. I said, Sham, wow, what a time to be alive. What a time to talk some golf. No doubt. Well, let's talk about the Saudi thing and the Live, because that has been the biggest story. And it's a huge story in sports, period. I mean, when you have a dominant tour like the PGA being threatened and now losing some of their top players, I mean, it's going to get headlines. But the real headline grabber was Dustin Johnson on that list. Three weeks, months afterwards, he put out a pretty clear statement that he was sticking with the PGA Tour. Uh, Dubs, first of all, what was your reaction when you saw the names on the list? And maybe start off with DJ as to how surprising one of the top players in the world would forego playing in North America, his potential legacy for a fat, fat bag of cash. Look, I mean, in terms of the field, you take DJ away from it, and it's not a strong field. I mean, it would hardly qualify for a Champions Tour event. Some of these guys, like, they haven't been relevant in, you know, 10, 20-plus years. I mean, Louis Ustos and DJ, the only two guys inside that top 20. 
for DJ, I mean, I hate to call him a sellout, but it is what it is. I mean, he is chasing the bag, and you can imagine the money that's been thrown at him. They're, they're talking between $100 and $130 million. And look, DJ, he's only 37 years of age, but maybe he set out and accomplished everything he had to. He got to world number one. He's won a Masters. He's married to Paulina Gretzky. What an achievement that is. 24-time we're on the PGA Tour. He's made over $75 million in career earnings. Now, for all these guys out there playing on the PGA Tour, it's not about winning majors and chasing legacies. Some of them, it's just a job. They're very good at it, so why not? And I mean, you look at what he's got to go up against here. 47 other guys, 54-hole events. He's only got to play eight times a year. He's going to make way much more playing in those eight events than out here on the PGA Tour, struggling to even make cuts. And look, from what I've seen the last 12 months, I don't think DJ is all focused on winning a lot of golf tournaments. I think maybe he's happy just collecting the bag, showing up if his best stuff turns up, happy days. If not, he couldn't care less. I mean, he hasn't won since that Masters, what, more than, you know, two years ago. So I totally get it. The curveball was that he told us, I'm not about it. I'm all in on the PGA Tour. Surprise, surprise. Can you blame him? And as that, remember that banger from back in the day, Hustler? It's only in the beginning. Mate, what a way. It sounded much better than Dubsy Cena, but this is a wake-up call for the PGA Tour. And you look at some of the events we're playing for this week, the Memorial, Jack's Place, the Milkshakes, bring all the boys to the yard. I mean, it's half the prize pool of going over to London we're going to see next week. So some of these guys, I'm not shocked. Taylor Gooch, another guy, a young guy. Just a recent winner on the PGA Tour. Chase the bag, boys. Why not? Some of the amateurs, Hustler. 250K just for showing up. I know where I'd be going. I heard Chase Kepka's getting $6 million to come over. Maybe Chase just because of his last name. <laughs> Chase Kepka, Like, there you go. I've seen Chase in action. He can play. But, I mean, talk about playing off that brother's uh, you know, last name. But, look, I question the longevity of it. Obviously, they've got a lot of money pumping it in from the back end. But, for me, it's going to come down to broadcast are they going to be able to bring eyeballs on it because look if it goes for a year two years it's very much got that feel of an exhibition match don't get me started we saw one of those yesterday down there in las vegas it's a non-event hustler i mean i'd rather watch the guys at the country club on a saturday afternoon after you know putting down 10 white claws that's how much interest i've got in this one but it is what it is the pga tour you know they're not going to be too happy and do they have a leg to stand on players are now subject to disciplinary action what does that mean I mean, they're not going to be banned from the U.S. Open in two weeks. So where do they go? I mean, in in the past, they've been allowed to play any tour they want, and now they're not. They're contractors. They're they're not on a salary. If they miss cuts, they're not getting paid. I mean, everyone talks about they're spoiled brats. They get paid so much. Yes, they're they're well looked after, especially the top 20 in the world. But look at some of these other guys, like a Kevin Stadler, the smaller son of the great Craig Stadler. (laughs) What's he made? 6,000 bucks this season on the PGA Tour. A lot of guys are out there struggling to make a career in golf. Don't get me started about the poor caddies. So it's a lot of opportunities for a lot of young guys. I see that side of the argument. I'm not behind sports washing in any way. All these other sports are doing it. You know, the F1 goes over there, the tennis, the horse racing, but it's a sign of the times, and I totally get it for some of these big names. And there's still five spots open. Mickelson could be one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think we all expect Phil to be that other guy that wasn't officially on that list, and that's a whole bigger story with the book coming out and everything that he's dealing with behind the scenes. Dubs, is there a potential? I mean, we know where the PGA stands on this, and they would love to do everything they can to prevent this from succeeding and going forward, and maybe 
the most effective way to do that would be to prevent participation in the major championships, which they don't control. Is that realistic? I mean, is there the potential that the guys that went over won't be invited to Augusta if they qualify or the PGA championship or the RNA? So, so the PGA championship is the one that's got the closest ties with the PGA tour where they can say, no, absolutely. To, to play in that championship, you've got to be a member. To be a member, you've got to get it through being on the PGA Tour, at least for these guys anyway. But I don't see that being a reality. I mean, more is going to come to the front here as this goes on. And, and I know for a lot of these other golfers, they're sitting back this week saying, hey, let's see how this one plays out. If they don't do anything to DJ or, or what, slap a, you know, a six-tournament ban on him, why not? Why not do it? Miss out on what, the Barbasol Classic? Who cares when you can make that kind of cheddar? So I'm very interested to see the stance the PGA Tour takes. For me, I really don't see how they can stonewall these guys from at least playing in the major championships. And I think for all these guys who are partaking in that first event, they're owning all the consequences. Okay, if I'm going to be suspended, if I'm going to be blacklisted playing from the PGA Tour, so be it. And for most of the guys, they're over that 40-year mark, which is you know the, the golden age on the PGA Tour, they're happy with it. And that's why we've seen a lot of foreign players. I mean, some of the names in this thing, Richard Bland, Matty Jones, Martin Keimer, Lee Westwood. Talk about yesterday's heroes. Yeah, well, I mean, Sergio's in there as well. Well, I, you know, while you bring that up, Ian Poulter as well, um, far more of the bigger names, at least, were coming from Europe. Why yeah. do you think that is? And what does this do to the DP European Tour going forward? How much of a threat is this to Europe before it really affects the PGA Tour here in uh, North America? Mate, very good point. Like some of these other you know, international tours are already struggling. You think the PGA Tour is doing it tough. The DP World Tour is going to take a massive blow from this. And, and they're in cahoots with the PGA Tour now. I mean, the Asian Tour, I think they're more closely aligned with the Live Golf League. So I think it's going to have you know a major effect, especially down you know at some of the weaker events. That In terms of field strength, they're, they're not going to be great. But for the foreign guys, I mean, they're sick of traveling. They don't want to leave you know, the UK to come over to the States, especially if they're not based here down in Florida. So so why not make more money for little investment? It's a no-brainer for them. They're, they're not tied here with the PGA Tour. And for the PGA Tour, a lot of these young guys, they looked up and it's Tiger Woods. We're chasing legacy, but I turn it to, you know, three or four years away. If the big cat's not around, some of these young guys are like, okay, majors are great, but why would I not go do this? And I can make X amount of dollars you know, it, it's a no-brainer for them. So legacy is one thing. Not all these guys are chasing it. Um, Dubs Anderson with us talking about the uh, Live Golf Tour and what this means for the world of golf. At, it, at the same time, we got a hell of a field right now for Jack's tourney in Memorial. You were oh, right. The milkshake yeah. and the legend of the Golden Bear does bring an incredible group out. And just checking out the uh, the the top of the leaderboard, um, our guy, Cam Smith, great star. He's sort of been up and down a little bit lately. I'm on him this week. And Cameron Young, after that great performance at the PGA, right in the mix as well. Um, and, of course, Will Zalatoris. He's one shot off the lead. Will gets so close, just the putter does it just does not do uh, him in favors in the toughest times. Um, what is it about the memorial, though? This course, um, the history of it, Jack Nicholas that brings out and, and often – puts together some of the best action of the year outside of the major championships. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, just being Jack Nicholas, that's going to bring all the biggest names to the tournament. It's a great golf course, two weeks out from the next major, so it's somewhat usually the final turn-up. You look at all the past winners here, it's all your heavy hitters. Cantlay's, John Rahm's, DeChambeau's, and this is where uh, John Rahm was famously DQ'd 
well, forced to withdraw, I should say, last year after 54 holes in the lead. He was never going to lose that event. They come to him and say, mate, you've got the old COVID. See you later. So you know Ram's going to be motivated coming back into this one. But fantastic leaderboard. Cameron Young's up top. Luke List, Cam Smith, the Aussie mullet. I actually wasn't big on Cam Smith. You know, I'm big on course history. He's played here six times before. He's only made the cut two of those. But here he is. I mean, all the short game in the world. A Canadian I'm big on. I think I harped on about him last time coming up here. Corey Connors. This guy is built for the tougher golf courses on the biggest stages. He's only got one win to his name, but the second win is coming. You know I grabbed a slice of him at 50 to 1. And for my young Willie Zalatoris, I mean, he needs the old protein powder with the milkshakes this week, but that putting stroke, that could haunt houses, mate. We know what we saw that <laughs> Sunday at the PGA Championship. He keeps putting himself in the mix, but for me, now it's scar tissue. We know how good he is, T to green, but the putter has to start showing up. And right now, he gets more uncomfortable the closer he gets to the hole. I think the breakthrough win will come, but a bit of situational awareness. I love him when he's you know three or four shots back on a Sunday afternoon when he can free wheel it, and he's not the guy up top. He's not comfortable being that man. It's the same for Roy McIlroy. Doesn't like being that guy. Not everyone's all about it. Dubs, that uh, little tip you gave out for Corey Connors is looking pretty good right now. He's four under, one shot back through nine holes and still has another nine to maybe get up to the top of the leaderboard. So I uh, hope you maybe had a little first-round leader sprinkle on him as well. He's a, he's a heck of a player. Heck of a player. He, he's a ball striker, and that's going to be rewarded this week. And Hustler, you know how I do, mate. Of course I champion all my best bets. You never hear about the dud bets, though, the, the ones that don't get in contention. Dubs, he just gives the old highlight reel, if you will. <laughs> So you know if Corey Connors gets in the mix, you're going to hear about it on Sunday afternoon. If not, absolutely crickets. Dubs, next gone. Week, RBC Canadian Open next week. When are we going to get you uh, north of the border to come join us here for one of those big events? Don't forget about President's Cup in Montreal coming up as well. That will be the party. Mate, I've been traveling a little too much. I'd love to get up to Toronto. I've only had nothing but a good time. I was meant to be at Memorial this week. I'm meant to be in Vegas next week. And the wife, the wife tells me, she goes, no, you've been working too much. You can only do one or the other. She's now the ex-wife. I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. <laughs> so, no, I, I wish I could get up there, mate. It's going to be a great tournament. Roy McIlroy, defending champion. We haven't seen it for the last couple of years. And surprisingly, really strong field. JT's committed. Cameron Smith's going to be up there. So, when everyone's talking about the Live Saudi Golf League, this is exactly what we needed for the RBC Canadian Open. Great golf course, great people, and some of the best I say sports fans, golf fans, all come from up north, up there in Canada. Great spot. Love cannot, what you boys are doing. Cannot wait and say hi to our uh, favorite other Canadians, Cam and Gabe, when you hook up with them very soon. Dubs, you're the best. We love having you on the program. Thanks for doing this and enjoy the action this weekend. You too, my man. Let's have ourselves a weekend and back some winners. <laughs> Let's go. There it is. Follow on Twitter at Dubs Anderson. And uh, if you're familiar with the Sports Grid channel, Dubs is on there all the time, often with our boys Gabe and Cam as well. It's at Mr. Dubsy, excuse me, on, uh, on Twitter, M-R-D-U-B-B-S-I-E. Dubs Anderson with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right. We have to get to a, a little Blue Bomber practice update, which we'll do at the end of the program. Uh, I do want to give a big shout-out to Nick and Nikki over the Nick and Nikki DQ group, wonderful sponsors of ours. And uh, uh, listen, it's not like we have to wait for it to get to be 25 or 30 to uh, get out and get blizzards. I think we know that that is the treat 12 months a year. 
but it sure would be nice to get a little better ice cream weather. That being said, we can still go to any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs and try not just a blizzard, but a royal blizzard with a chocolate or peanut butter filling and one of the amazing new stack burgers that are there. Visit them at one of their four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you do need a cake for an upcoming event, you're going to want to hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Let them know what you want. They'll customize it, getting ready for you to pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. Um, hey, great opening week at Assiniboia Downs. Remo and I had a bit of a soft last night. Not a great night after moderately successful the first two, the first day. Um, we're going to get back at it next Monday for live racing at Assiniboia Downs. And we're also working on a little bit of a WST listener and viewer night out at the Downs. Of course, you can get out there, find out more on uh, all of what's going on at the track at asdowns.com. And if you do want to bet on a track, on our track, as well as horses around the world, get an account over at hpibet.com. And uh, you can wager on the big events throughout the week. And then, of course, on live racing, if you're not able to get out to Assiniboia Downs. And hey, a big cheers to our friends over at Canadian Club. The countdown is on to the Blue Bomber home opener. We'll be hanging out at the Princess uh, Auto Tailgate Party beforehand. But the Canadian Club will be flowing, that's for sure, uh, up in the north end. The Jim Beam still house, the Bruegel Rum Hut as the uh, official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And don't forget, Canadian Club and Ginger Ale, now available at liquor stores and beer stores in six-packs throughout the province. All right, we'll get to the Bombers, do a Princess Auto report uh, in a couple minutes. But tonight is the tip-off of the NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors are back, and the Boston Celtics have survived the East and will take on Steph Curry and a team that, you know, has some, I don't want to say it's a complete dynasty, but a win now. You'd look at this body of work, and we'd certainly be talking about one of the great teams in history. Uh, let's tee it up right now with Julian Edlow from DraftKings. Always great to welcome back to the program Julian Edlow of DraftKings, who happens to join us from Boston. And Julian, great to talk to you again. I imagine the city that you're in is pretty darn fired up to see the Celtics back in the NBA Finals. Pretty fired up and pretty surprised given where this team was sitting, you know, three games below 500 in January. Um, there hasn't quite been a turnaround in the NBA or in, you know, many sports. I guess it can happen a little bit more in in, a, in baseball or something like that. But like there hasn't been a turnaround, particularly in the NBA, where like if you're good, you're good and your talent is winning from the beginning that I can recall that is that is like this. So it's it's surprising to be here it's welcoming to be here and um yeah i mean pe people are fired up to have the celtics back in the finals first time since 2010 and uh you know to be knocking at the door with this young team so many times and and have it have it get through and have it get through in a matchup against a team like the warriors that's getting back there for their sixth time in eight years you know, it's funny you talk about the turnaround this season. And just as you were saying that, it sort of reminded me of the 2019 St. Louis Blues, who were out of the playoffs midway through the season. Jordan Binnington comes up. They go on an absolute tear for half a year and then go through what was an incredibly difficult road to the playoffs to get to the finals and eventually win it. And I'll be honest, I think maybe what's been the most impressive thing about Boston's playoff run, as opposed to some of the other teams, is the teams that they've gone through. Um, you know, obviously a seven-gamer against the Heat, but to me, the way they buckled down and was able to beat the uh, 
defending champion Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo sort of seemed like that was the announcement to everyone that, wait a second, this Celtics team is for real and might be capable of something special. For sure. Um, and I think the sweep of the Nets was eye-opening as well because that was kind of a, you know, the Celtics were larger series favorites against the Heat without home court and against the Bucks than they were against the Nets. That was like a pick series. And they come in and sweep that. Now, they swept the four games by a total of 18 points. And then we see all these blowouts against the Heat and Bucks one way or the other. Um, so it's been a weird path, but it's been a tough path for the Celtics to get here. And, you know, you can make the argument. I know Memphis had a really good season. Denver was without two of its best three guys for the majority of the season. Um, and the Mavericks were, you know, a pretty good team with Luka Doncic. You could make the argument that all three teams the Celtics beat were better than each of the teams that the Warriors beat to get here. Now, the Warriors just beat the teams in front of them. They didn't wind up getting the Suns. Um, they did what they had to do, didn't even have to play in a game seven. So uh, the Warriors are the Warriors. It's not to take away from them. I still think they're very good. I just think in terms of how they've been tested this postseason, yeah, there's no question the Celtics have been uh, much more tested than Golden State so far. That being said, how um, how similar is this Golden State team to some of the, the teams we saw raise the trophy earlier? I mean, obviously, there's no Kevin Durant anymore. Canadian Andrew Wiggins playing a big play. I mean, they're a favorite in this. Because <clears throat> of their resume and the history, I thought they might be a bigger favorite, Julian. But um, give us your thoughts on, on the favorites going into this series that will be taken on Boston. Yeah, so, I mean, first, in terms of Golden State, it's a weird path that they've had because – the first one they won, they were younger, a little bit different of a team, same core. But people forget, you know, Kyrie Irving broke his kneecap in game one of that series, and it went deep. Like, if that doesn't happen, maybe that edges things kind of towards the Cavaliers in that series. And then the next year, the Warriors win 73 games, and the Cavs wind up being healthy and winning that series. So who knows how that winds up. And then the next two they get is with Kevin Durant, and they're just – absolutely dominant so those ones are a little bit different and then they get back with Durant kind of but he's hurt in that postseason and then Toronto steals that series it's just such a weird you know collection of what ifs with the Warriors and now they're back there with the same core but different young players that you know I, I like this team more than like the 2015 team that beat the Cavs without Kyrie um, but I like this Celtics team a lot too so for this series like I, I've been calling it the nerds versus the books, because you look at some of these analytics, like 538, they're like 80 something percent chance the Celtics win the series. That's way out of line. That's ridiculous. There's no way you play the series five times. The Celtics win four of them. Um, I find that very hard to believe. But yet all the books, you know, between 150 DraftKings has it at and up to 165 for the Warriors to win the series. Um, you know, it's telling. And a lot of that is because of their their experience and their their pedigree um but the celtics have played in four eastern conference finals um recently and they just finally got over the hill so they have a lot of playoff experience just no finals experience and they play their best with their backs against the wall as we saw in those the game six in milwaukee and both of those game sevens so i i lean towards the celtics in this series because from an x's and o's perspective they match up very well with the warriors so i'll just stick to the basketball and try and not let the experience and whatnot um, you know, determine who I like, but it's a very close series. It's going to be a very good series. The Celtics, you know, lay plenty of eggs and the Warriors experience is going to, you know, if they play like they did down the stretch against Miami in game seven, 
Warriors are going to take that game. The Celtics aren't going to win it. I think this is going to be a very back-and-forth series. Uh, Julian Edlow of DraftKings with us getting ready for the NBA Finals. Game 1 tips off tonight. Um, listen, we know why the books make the lines as they do. Uh, what's behind these analytic numbers that have the Celtics as such a big favorite? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's all, um, you know, matchup related and it factors in, I guess, some regular season games where guys weren't playing. Um, I can't speak to it because I don't totally agree with it. Um, but here we are. I mean, the Celtics, I agree with it to a degree. The Like the Celtics were an analytics team that back in January was telling people, hey, bet this team plus 2,500 to win the Eastern Conference. They have it in them. And the eye test told you no. And then they got it together and here they are. So like there's something to it. And I think the Celtics are in a very good spot. I just think that analytics put a little bit too much weight on them in this spot. But again, I, I like the Celtics, so I don't totally disagree. Uh, um, you know, from a Celtics perspective, what needs to happen for them to win? I mean, is there a player or two that needs to step up their game? And is there one particular matchup that, um, you know, needs to go Boston's way if they want to end up on the right side of things? Yeah, I think this, I mean, it's easy. It's an easy answer, but I think star power has to come through. Like people keep, I don't know if this is a question you were going to ask, but people keep asking me, give me a long shot for finals MVP. There is no long shot for finals MVP on the Celtics. Marcus Smart, Al Horford, they can't win. They can't be the best player in the Celtics win this series. I don't even think Jalen Brown can win the award. I think it's, if you're betting on the Celtics in the series, bet some Tatum finals MVP. He's got to be 38 and eight or whatever it is for the Celtics to get through against a team like the Warriors. So the stars have to be good, particularly Tatum. Um, and he's been terrific with his just feel for the game, passing out of those double teams and knowing when to be aggressive and score. And we need to see a lot more of that against the Warriors with no lapses and then role players have to step up as well. I think Boston's size is an issue for golden state and Robert Williams is certainly dinged up. I, I, he's questionable. I lean towards him missing game one. We'll see if he plays or not, but um, you know, Horford and Robert Williams using their size in the paint, I think is going to be key. And then there's always just the unexpected, whoever it's going to be. Derek white was great off the bench. At the end of that series against Miami. Is he going to be the spark guy? Is it going to be Grant Williams who knows? But there are guys that are going to have to come up big. And, you know, it's a long series. Rotations are going to change. Starting lineups could change. Um, and the adjustments are going to be key. An experienced coach in Steve Kerr versus a rookie head coach in Ime Odoka, But a guy that has a lot of experience with San Antonio as an assistant in these situations. Uh, Julian, listen, many of us here are playing lots of DFS, probably more so hockey and football. But, hey, it's the finals. So, of course, there'll be DFS contests. But as DraftKings has expanded, I know the sportsbook side of things has about a million offerings. I mean, uh, we won't get you to go through all of them, but is there a play or two on the board right now that sort of stands out to you that uh, telling your buddies this might be a good thing to consider? So I think Al Horford is the key guy, both in terms of prop bets and DFS early in the series. And I say that because I think that Robert Williams is either not going to play or play an extremely limited role at the beginning of this series. And the reason I think he's not, he may not play, he's questionable. He didn't look like himself late in the Miami series. And if you sit him, then you get to sit him Sunday to Sunday, game two, Sunday night. You get a full week of rest for that knee, which rest is key for. So I think that Al Horford's going to play a big role. I think that Golden State has issues in the paint. 
so that's a guy I would consider like captaining from the DFS side for this game. When a lot of people are going to be looking Tatum, Curry, like started out Horford maybe, and then work your way down. And in terms of the props, uh, I like, I put it in my article on, uh, on DK playbook. I like Al Horford at minus 160 to score more points in game one than Draymond Green. Draymond Green doesn't look to score, and his scoring kind of improves as the series goes on. He gets a little more aggressive. He's a distributor early. Boston's going to give him shots, and Draymond's not going to take him. Whereas Horford might get extra minutes because of the Williams situation, extra paint touches because of the lack of size on Golden State. Um, You know, if you lose it, you lose it what? On like a Draymond scores eight and Horford scores six, and it's right there for you. That's the floor. But what's the ceiling of the bet? Would anybody be surprised if Al Horford scores 18 points tonight and Draymond Green scores four? Like, that's a very plausible outcome. I think there's a lot more ways you can win it than lose it. You got to suck up the minus 160 juice, but I think it's a good play. Julian, thanks so much. Can't wait for tip-off tonight. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks as well. Always love having the guys from DraftKings on the program. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Thank you for having me. All right, thanks to Julian for coming on today from DraftKings. Yeah, NBA Finals Game 1 tonight between the Celtics and the Warriors. And, of course, Game 2 between the Oilers and the Avalanche. Great night to get out to a Boston pizza, get the fellas and the gang together, watch the games on the big screen with big sound, and enjoy all your favorites at Boston Pizza, including gourmet pizzas, Boston wings, and, of course, those ice-cold schooners. Um, let's do a Princess Auto Bomber report before we get to the cool bet lines for tonight. And uh, just checking in with our good friend Ed Tate. Some good news. Winston Rose out at Blue Bomber practice today, running, making some cuts, walking boot off. Um, he said he's not wearing a helmet, but running. So that's definitely a very positive, positive uh, sight. And Pat Newfeld and Greg Ellingson both back on the field practicing fully with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers today. Of course, Princess Auto, great sponsors of the Blue and Gold. They'll be doing the tailgate parties before the game at IG Field all season long. And, of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the uh, best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can visit them in-store, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24 7 365. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Uh, Reem, we've got uh, two big games tonight. We'll get to the cool bet lines, but uh, I got to tell you, I've been, people have been noticing it in chat today. All-star accent day today on WST. Yeah, Potato, who even referenced it in the conversation, he was great to talk with. Uh, so nice of him to pop on for an extended chat and Dubs Anderson as well. And I see everyone in our chat who's Excited that uh, they started following him on Twitter and he followed many people back. So, um, yeah, Dub loves what's going on here. He loves coming on with us and he is, uh, that, oh, he's just an absolute beauty. That was a great line, actually. I was laughing here when he's like, My wife said I had to pick uh, one trip or the other. Well, she's now my ex wife. Uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty good line. He's heard a lot of those on the golf course over the years, the uh, yeah. the old wife jokes and whatnot. Anyways, Dubs is an absolute beauty. Mr. Dubsy on Twitter if you want to get give him a follow. And, of course, uh, Anthony Potato will have him back on as well later on in the playoffs. All right, let's get to our cool bet lines before we shut her down for today. Uh, we were just talking about the NBA Finals. May as well start right there. The Warriors, a minus three-and-a-half-point favorite for tonight's game. And interestingly enough, the Warriors are only a minus 147 favorite to win 
this series. I thought that number would be much higher. Boston's plus 120. But Remo, as we just heard from Julian Edlow, there's a lot of analytic data that says the Celtics actually are the pick for this series. And it was interesting him mentioning what they were telling us like earlier in the year when they were 25 to one to win the championship. Now they need four more wins to get it done. Crazy. Um, I'll be honest, like I haven't watched too much NBA playoffs. I'm dialed in. I think it would be, you know, I think you you get excited for these teams that are winning multiple championships. We can see it with for Tampa, or you or you want them to lose. Either way, there's some uh, betting interest. So I'm kind of not really a big Celtics guy. So you know, maybe I would roll with uh, Golden State here. Minus one forty seven seems kind of seems not bad actually for you know the dynasty like the Warriors, right? That's what I think too. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm just gonna go. I'm calling it right now. This is going to be a seven gamer and I'm taking the plus two Oh five on seven. I just dropped a, a little sprinkle as we were doing this on that. So I didn't forget to do it before the game, but um, it's all there. If you want to get in on the NBA finals and then heading over to the national hockey league, the Edmonton Oilers plus plus one forty-seven on the road tonight against the avalanche with Pavel Francouz in goal Avalanche minus 167. Hey, if anything, the uh, patterns have told us so far this year in the playoffs is the Oilers bounce back big time from poor first round for first game performances. They did it against the Kings. They certainly did it against Calgary. And I think they have to do this. I was talking to Dusty earlier today. 93% of teams in the conference finals who win the first two games win the series. So this is an incredibly important game for the Edmonton Oilers to win tonight. And uh, frankly, Remo, I think they do it. Where are you? Uh, sure. Yeah, let's go with. I mean, if you want to take the dog, you want to hope for the close series. Sure, go with uh, Edmonton. I was kind of on them before, but Colorado seemingly scoring at will. You know, you got so many good players. Maybe I'm on Colorado here. You got the ball arena atmosphere. Ken referencing that. Uh, what a name, ball arena. We did show the video of the pom-poms earlier. Mm, when I don't know. Beca- got, roll with either either one. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe roll, roll with, with either one. There's a pick. There's a pick for you. Rima, sure. who do you like tonight? Oh, you know what? Roll with either one. I'm, that- more, of a, I'm more of a props guy. It seems like if you if you pick the over on any player points or goals, you're looking to win the total at seven. Uh, minus 139. Minus 139 on the over at per seven right now. Seems we will high. see a seven and a half. We will see a seven and a half before this series is over. And to be honest, I'm surprised that we're not seeing that tonight. Uh, as far as the series goes, if you do think that the Oilers have it in them to come back and win, plus 335 on the series total, Avalanche minus 455. Um, and then just quickly, the Lightning and Rangers, we sort of were mentioning yesterday that the Lightning did lose game number one. That might be the time to jump in on them. Lightning plus 103 to win the series. Rangers minus 120 after their first big win at home. Well, we were saying that if you wanted to get value in the Lightning, wait for them to lose the first game and then bet them. So plus 103 uh, is not bad, but I don't know, maybe the Rangers opening some eyes, and we did see the numbers, we've said them, but the rested team versus the team playing the seven-game series. But this isn't some ordinary team uh, who's rested like Tampa. This is, uh, you know, two-time cup champion, so uh, yeah, I think and it's going to be tough. Yeah, and favored tomorrow at minus 127 in the game as well. Again, you can check out all these lines over at coolbet.com. Use the promo code WST on your first deposit. For a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. You like my pick there? 
pick whoever you want. Could yeah, go it could way. be. It could go either way. Could could, go either uh, way. Maybe go on, on either side. Is that the most milk toast lame? That wasn't even attempted a pick. That, no, you didn't wasn't. even touch it. That was... wasn't. <laughs> well, how about here? I'll give. You, how about Makar? Yeah, plus give, us, give us a proper two. Let's go. Makar plus two twenty to score. I don't know. Ooh. It seems like there's a lot of goals. He's got a lot of them. Well, I would playing. love that because uh, uh, Lock Shop, we gave out, or I gave out, uh, Makar over one and a half goals for the series at minus 125. He's got one. He's already got one, so that would be nice. Catch that ticket and get forward. Anyways, <laughs> all the props are available. McKinnon <laughs> plus 105 to score. Dreisaitl plus 115. McDavid plus 122 at the top okay. of the list. I've never seen a number this high for to score a point. McDavid minus 769. <laughs> That's out of control. The and no, more like, than four to one to not get one. Yeah, that's ridiculous, though. Uh, look at some of these numbers down here. So that that's um, that's an interesting one. The point uh, the point props. If you want to score, how about Kadri too? He was decent. Val, um, what was that? Plus one ninety for Kadri or Hyman? Even I don't think that's. Nice. I, listen, Pablo Francois, I'm going to be on some Euler props tonight. Uh, Zach Hyman plus 190. Evander Kane's plus 154, and it sounds like he's going to be rolling back with the big boys again, so that might be a good look. Anyways, you can go through them all, check it. Bet responsibly if you are going to sprinkle on the game tonight, but it's all there with our friends over at coolbet.com. Um, tomorrow on the show... Brandon Wicky is going to join us. We'll have more on the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, of course, heading into the weekend. And I'm really looking forward to having Gareth Wheeler, who, of course, is the voice of Canada soccer on one soccer. The uh, match against Iran was put was canceled due to, I guess, political reasons. But Canada will be playing a friendly against a team they're quite familiar with, Panama. So we'll find out more on the Canadian men's soccer team and uh, what is going on with the lads as they get ready for the World Cup tomorrow. Uh, and, of course, we'll uh, have the latest on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers training camp heading into the weekend and hockey as well with the two conference championship mm -hmm. series now underway and, of course, the NBA Finals as well. Great show today, man. Yeah, lots, I, lots I just want to. Yeah, before we go, I just want to hit these couple NFL notes. Sorry, um, we didn't oh. mention it yesterday. J uh, John Madden on the cover of Madden 23. No brainer. No brainer. Yeah, no, no brainer. Here's the uh, here. I'll pull it up right here. We got the original Madden one, and then this year's all Madden. So going back to the OG, uh, I mean, the you can't really get mad about this. No, no, no. I love it, and there's yeah. no one that will be jinxed or anything like yeah, that. No, so. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of that, too. Can you? I don't think you can jinx anyone with this. Uh, we did have some other retirement news. Ryan Fitzpatrick announcing hanging them up. Great career. I'll believe uh, that, by the way, when we get to, like, week seven or eight and he's not on a roster you, or anything like that. Well, someone's going to get hurt, and you can call him up. You know he can sling the ball. Absolutely. It's magic. He's had a great look. And do I see this? Frank Gore? Yeah, Frank Gore officially hung him up Speaking as well. of not believing it till I see it, like when we get to week one and Frank Gore is not in the backfield or on the bench of some team, then I believe it. The most durable warrior in the backfield, maybe in NFL history. I love the conversations whether Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. To me, his longevity, frankly, makes him a Hall of Famer, although he was never the best in the league, really, at any point. 
but the fact that he did it for 16 years at a position where guys usually are in and out in two or three, um, he has had one of the most incredible careers in NFL history. There's no doubt about it. And I remember, didn't he have a crazy uh, knee injury as well in college? Yeah, he in tore Miami, it yeah. In Miami, and you thought, okay, he tore it twice, and you thought, oh, yeah, this guy's, you know, had such a promising shot, and here he is playing, you know, forever in the NFL and signing a one-day contract, retiring as a 49er. And speaking of running backs, I was really sad to see this yesterday. Uh, Marion Barber, three, uh, passing away yesterday. He was awesome with the Cowboys Pro Bowl uh, 2007. And um, it was very sad to see just another NFL player having difficulties um, health-wise after their career. And you just see this way too often. And you know, yeah, hits yeah, to Marian, the head. Marion Bar Barber was such a stud. Um with one of the great nicknames in football as well, Marion the Barbarian. And he was an absolute battering rab from mm -hmm. the uh, from the backfield for the Cowboys during uh, during his time in the National Football League. So really sad. And that's a, another one. Jeff Gladney, former first-round pick of the, uh, of the Vikings, died at age 25 last week in a car accident. Um, he was let go under some pretty bad circumstances by the Vikings when he was accused of some sort of a domestic assault. And um, had resurfaced with the Arizona Cardinals, trying to get his life and his career back on track. And fortunately, he's um, he's gone as well. But um, the news of yesterday of Marion Barber, I think, caught a lot of people off guard. A very popular player for the Dallas Cowboys during his time in the National Football League. All right, gang. Well, that's going to do it for us. Great job by Michael Remus. And thanks to all of our guests today. Great to have Anthony Vitetto back on the program. Ken Weeb, the always popular Mr. Dubsy, Dubs Anderson, and Julian Edlow's teeing up tonight's game one between the Warriors and the Celtics. Tomorrow, we'll have the latest on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We'll talk some NHL playoffs and Jets offseason with Brandon Rewicki. And we'll check in with Canada's men's soccer team and Gareth Wheeler, amongst more. And of course... You know what Friday means, folks. Marbles. Speaking of marbles, you got to be subscribed to win. Great to see everyone with us. Before you go, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. And uh, by the way, give us a thumbs up as well to help us spread the channel. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day. And all of you for joining us once again. We'll see you tomorrow for a 1 p.m. live edition on YouTube, finishing up with another Winnipeg Sports Talk marble race. This has been the Thursday edition of WST. Enjoy the games tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.